This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. At Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers, incredible offers, and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krupnik, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. On the free Odyssey app. I'm Peter King. Winter storm warnings and wind chill watches are up for much of the upper half of the Midwest and Western U.S. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson with a nod to migrants who've been sent to his city. We are ready with services and resources to keep residents and our new arrivals safe this winter. If you were planning to fly in or out of Chicago O'Hare, you're out of luck. There's a ground stop in effect until at least tonight. Odyssey New York meteorologist Craig Allen. Around the Great Lakes, on down through Chicago and over into the upper Mississippi. Mississippi Valley. Heavy snow warnings, blizzard conditions are likely across some of these areas, and snowfall could amount to over a foot and a half, maybe even close to two feet. Texas is bracing for a cold snap like the one that killed more than 200 people when the power grid went down three years ago. Here's reporter Chris Fox. Bracing for what he calls life-threatening cold temperatures. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says he feels good about the status of the state's power grid, which did fail during the big freeze in 2021. We are expecting Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning ought to be the tightest times for their caught power grid. We should have sufficient power to make it through that time period. According to Chief Meteorologist Dan Brunoff of KRLD Radio in Dallas, the cold is half the problem. To make matters worse, an ice storm will take place across parts of North Central and East Texas. Chris Fox for CBS News, Austin. In Buffalo, New York, federal prosecutors say they'll seek the death penalty for the white man who killed 10 black people at a supermarket in 20 22. Mark Talley's mother, Geraldine, among the dead. I have no problem with them doing it. I would have preferred he stay right, right here, locked up in county jail for the rest of his life, surrounded by people who want to kill him every day. Hours after a series of U.S.-led strikes on Houthi targets in Yemen, National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the White House isn't looking for a war with Houthi rebels, but it's ready to retaliate if the Iran-backed Houthis don't stop attacking ships in the Red Sea. We have in the past, and we will certainly continue uh, to hold uh, Iran accountable for their destabilizing activities. A senior military official says the U.S. and Britain hit about 30 Houthi targets after the latest attacks. Some help is on the way for Hamas hostages with medical issues. Here's CBS's Robert Berger in Jerusalem. Israel says it has reached a deal mediated by Qatar that would allow medicine to reach Israeli hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. This follows a meeting between the families of the hostages and the Prime Minister of Qatar in Doha. But as far as the release of the hostages, there's no deal in sight. On Wall Street, the Dow has lost 158 points and the Nasdaq is down 21. This is CBS News.
Dom Giordano. Let's go to Representative Eamon Brown on Talk Radio 1210. My producer here, Dan, he wants to know the most <laughs> important thing. Where did you vote on the Taylor Swift recognition vote? I voted for it because <laughs> Taylor Swift, he ain't writing no song about me. I was like, I better vote for this because she's going to be like, all right, you know they're going to point me out. The one black man from West Philly <laughs> is anti-Taylor Swift. <laughs> and all her Swifties are not going to vote for it's this. Time. Dom Giordano, weekdays noon till 3 on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app. Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. So are we getting ready for World War III or what? What's going on here? Huh? The United States of America goes after the Houthis. And did President Obama have congressional authorization? Those are the questions. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, we are now expecting some sort of Houthi retaliation. Oh, those Houthis, huh? Well, they're there something. We have a big show for you today. We'll talk to Dr. Victoria Coates about this later in the show today. But since November 19th, we've had at least 27 attacks in the Red Sea alone. Not counting the Gulf of Aden or the um, Suez Canal or anything else. 27 attacks. Now, look, I hate Joe Biden. I really do. I think he's a useless, incompetent president. But... I believe that he did not violate the War Powers Act, and I'll tell you the reason why. U.S. forces were being attacked by the Iranians and by these Houthis, and the United States of America responded, very similar to what President Reagan did when our troops were attacked off of Grenada. Now, I have a lot of problems with the War Powers Act. I do. From a constitutional perspective, I have a lot lot of problems with it. Number one. The War Powers Act is intended really primarily to defend the homeland. Number two, the War Powers Act is intended to be a short-term remedy to a long-term problem. But that said, it is the law of the land. And if our forces are being attacked, the president does have the lawful right to respond until Congress revokes the Law Powers Act, the War Powers Act. He does have the right to respond. Whether or not we stay there longer than, I don't know, in my opinion, 72 hours, 96 hours, this is where we get into a very, very muddy area of constitutional law. Let's think about this for a second. If the United States of America was attacked tomorrow, we all know, we'd all agree, uh, the president has to do what he has to do as commander-in-chief to defend the homeland. We all agree. Nobody disagrees with that. If there is a foreign element to this, and this is something that Thomas Jefferson himself grappled with when the Barbary pirates attacked our Merchant Marine Corps back in the early uh, 1800s slash late 1700s, what do we do? How do we deal with that? It's foreign. It's not a direct threat on the homeland, but it is a direct threat on U.S. interest. Jefferson's reasoning in ordering the Marines to attack and ultimately defeat the Barbary pirates was that um, 
the presence of the U.S. extends beyond just our borders. A U.S. ship in international waters deserves the protection of the United States of America. I agree with that. I really do. I do agree with that from a philosophical point of view. But Jefferson was very careful to understand and respect the fact that that does not mean an act of war. Congress declares war. Now, back then, of course, a war can only last a few days, right? I mean, you attack pirates, and what do you got? You got two days of ammunition, three days of ammunition, tops, and then you need backup. At that point, there's a legitimate constitutional question of, should you ask for a congressional authorization? And I think the answer is yes, right? I mean, anytime you got to go back and ask for supplies, it's a great opportunity for Congress to step aside and say, listen, uh, Commander-in-Chief, based on Article 1, we declare war. You are the Commander-in-Chief if we do declare war, since one follows, you know, the art- Article 2 follows Article 1. Um We don't give you our authorization, so therefore you're not commander-in-chief. Think back to Jefferson and the Barbary Pirates, right? It's a great example from history. So Jefferson says, all right, this is America's first true test of war abroad. And I believe we have to protect our strategic interests and our ships. So I'm going to order the Marines to go attack and ultimately defeat the Barbary Pirates. Congress, by the time Congress learns of this, they are days, weeks, potentially away from actually getting together and authorizing a vote for war. So now this is a tough question. What does the president do in an age where Congress is traveling to the Capitol via stagecoach? Truly, what does the president do? At that point, I think the Constitution says the president has to act and go to Congress later for authorization. Now, the time the Constitution was ratified, the impeachment clause was the law of the land. If Congress didn't like it, well, they can turn around and say, well, we think you exceeded your authority, Mr. President. We are going to revoke your authority under the uh, impeachment clause, and we're going to say you have exceeded your authority. Fair enough. Back in Jefferson's time, that would have been the case. It's certainly the case today, right? I mean, if Congress doesn't like the fact that Joe Biden authorized uh, retaliatory strikes against the Houthis, they could impeach him without question. But back then, the question of authorization was really paramount. I mean, think about it today, right? Does the president need authorization to attack the Houthis? My opinion is no, based on the War Powers Act. But at the time when Jefferson fought the Barbary pirates, there was no War Powers Act. It was strictly the Constitution. Jefferson, who was the American Sphinx, I mean, he truly had a lot of things to grapple with. For example, the Louisiana Purchase was something that he had a tough time with. Does the United States of America have a manifest destiny? Do we really have the right to buy this land? Does the federal government have the right to buy this land? I mean, these are complicated questions at the founding of the republic from a guy who said the republic should only last, you know, maybe 20 years. So here we are. 
thousands of miles away. The Houthis are um, attacking our ships. The president says, we're going to send them a message and we're going to attack them. I think from a legal perspective, the the president is correct. From a constitutional perspective, that is the great question, right? But in the absence of the Constitution being clear, the founders said, Congress, you figure it out. So Congress did. They figured it out. They said, we're going to pass the War Powers Act and say the president has 48 hours to alert Congress of his actions and 90 days to act without congressional authorization. We have not declared war since World War II. We have not won a war since World War II, ironically enough. So Joe Biden might be legally in the right. But the question then becomes, do you trust him? to lead our nation into war, knowing that this could escalate into World War III. Which brings me to my next point. Donald Trump last night came out and said that Joe Biden is leading our country into World War III. He's not wrong. He is. And I think the reason why is because if you've ever seen the movie Wag the Dog, which is a great movie, the question of whether or not a president will gain points by being a wartime president still is a question that confounds the swamp. Now, I, for one, think back in the day, the answer was, unfoundedly, yes. If you're a wartime president, you absolutely will have an advantage. But in this day and age, the answer is no. For example... I'm um, knocking on your door in Iowa this weekend. Hey, come caucus with me. I'm a Donald Trump supporter. Come caucus with me. That person says, first of all, it's freezing out. My God, it's so cold out. Number two, is uh, he going to drag us into World War III? No, he's not. Because for the four years Donald Trump was president, we did not have World War III. All right, I like this guy. Let me think about this a little bit. And do you have a scarf and a hat and maybe mittens? All right, no, I don't have any of those things. But, 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 if you, if you think about it, can you help me? Please understand why we are at war right now in the Middle East. And nobody can really answer that question. The question becomes... Does the United States have a strategic interest in sending a message or doubling down on a long-term conflict? Now, if I'm an Iowa voter and I'm looking at the world writ large, I'm thinking to myself two things. Number one, do I want to stay in Ukraine? I do not. Do I want World War III in the Middle East? I do not. Who do I trust to navigate out of this circumstance? Do I trust Nikki Haley? No, I don't. Because I think Nikki Haley will absolutely get us into World War III. Do I trust Ron DeSantis? Well, I'd like him, but um, he's never had to negotiate or navigate an international conflict before. Donald Trump. Donald Trump has had to deal with this stuff. He killed Soleimani. He's had to deal with the United Nations. He's had to deal with NATO. Maybe I think to myself, if there's anyone who can avoid World War III, it's Trump.
and I'm going to put my support behind him. As the Iowa caucus kicks off on Monday, I'm thinking to myself, this is where I need to be. This helps him. The other point, too, and this should not be lost on anybody, is that even though we all support the president in short-term military actions, when it becomes longer than, say, 72 hours, 96 hours, maybe a couple months, we want Congress to negotiate and decide on this. We don't do that anymore. Congress now just yields to the military-industrial complex. Congress just turns around and says, hey, listen, if the MID says we should be there, we'll be there. So Ukraine, um, Middle East, whatever it takes. I think the other reason why people in Iowa right now might be more hesitant about backing Nikki Haley is that she will listen to those very voices. You and I both know if the United States or its strategic partners or its assets overseas or American citizens are under threat, we want, we demand, we deserve the United States of America to respond. In fact, I want that. Sends a message. The message it sends is you mess with our people, we'll mess with you back. Think about it, right? Let me use the old Italian analogy. You come down my alley, got a guy there, you beat up my guy, all right. Well, we're going to send you a message. You don't come down my alley and beat up my guy. You beat up one of my ships, you beat up my people, you attack citizens or our embassy. We will respond in kind and we will send you a very, very loud message. This is the thing about modern diplomacy. Our enemies are looking for signs that tell them the United States of America will, in fact, respond accordingly. Joe Biden has sent a message to the world up until this moment that he will not. Now, the other question to ask yourself is this. With Lloyd Austin being in the hospital, with Joe Biden missing in action, where the hell is this guy? As we just launched a massive attack on an independent nation, Yemen, where is the commander-in-chief? Is this entire thing done for the Democrat establishment led by Barack Obama to try to secure the footing of the Democrat Party being a wartime party? See, what I'm thinking right now is that since Joe Biden has not come out and said a damn word, and since we are all turning around and wondering to ourselves, um, out of curiosity, who's in charge? Who's running the show? Is it John Kirby? Is John Kirby running the show? I have to wonder if other forces behind Joe Biden are calling the shots and saying to themselves, we want to appear as strength. We want to appear as we are in charge. But most importantly, we want to show the world that we are the United States of America. All that's well and good. But where's the president? And if he's not around, the question becomes, is that deliberate or accidental? See, I wonder if I'm Barack Obama and I want my wife to be president of the United States. And I know, Susie, you're going to be very upset with me right now. I want my wife to be president. 
do I hide Joe Biden as much as possible? I issue statements. I have the United States take military action. My defense secretary is missing. The president of the United States is missing. But the United States is doing what it needs to do under the War Powers Act to defend its strategic interests abroad. Am I doing all of this because I ultimately want to make a switch? The world is a dangerous place. And we need a president who is young and fit and healthy and who has the wartime experience to be able to navigate these very choppy Red Sea, Gulf of Oman waters. I don't know. What I do know, though, is that Terry Hayes will have a lot of insight on this on February 7th. I would love for you to join us for that. February 7th with Terry Hayes' new book, The Year of the Pilgrim. i got to tell you, I'm reading it. I love it. It is an outstanding book. One of the absolute best. I'm telling you, Terry Hayes is a genius. Uh, Truly. There was a 10-year gap between his first book, I Am Pilgrim, and The Year of the Pilgrim. And in the 10 years, Terry Hayes has, as a writer, seen so much that has changed from his perspective of the world. But the one thing that has remained constant in his writing is that the deep state controls so much. You want to join us February 7th for this event. It's going to be outstanding, catastrophic, truly. You'll love what he has to say. He was a journalist embedded with CIA for years. He knows their tactics and their strategies, and he would love to see you. And I would love to see you, too. So February 7th, just go to 1210WPHC.com for tickets. Don't wait. It will sell out. 1210WPHC.com, Terry Hayes, and me, February 7th in Bryn Mawr, the year of the pilgrim. Don't miss it. We're coming right back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. So I had to get a uh, cavity filled today from Dr. Mike Venaria. And I have the, um, the lip thing they put in your 
giant needle thing. So if I'm slurring, I'm not drinking. I wish I was. I really do. I, I wish to God I was. But um, it's that. And this big story, the fact that I'm slurring, is brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Think of the big stories of the week. So first of all was that I was going to be on Jesse Waters' prime time. I got bumped. What was yesterday's? You remember, Matt? Uh, it was your pizza oven. My pizza oven is in. Yes. Um, and then today is that I had a giant needle put in my <laughs> lip. Um, it didn't hurt, though. They do, like, pain-free root canal and all that other stuff. But anyway, so um, I know Steve Delaney thought I was, like, drunk. I, w- I wish. God, I wish I was drunk. I, there's so many reasons to be drunk. But I'm not. I just had a cavity filled. So uh, as Steve Delaney said on Twitter, and this is a good time for our Cherry Hill Volvo check-in. So first of all, big story of the day brought to you by Dr. Vener- Mike Venaria. I'm not drunk. It's just a, a fill-in. Brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria. Uh, Steve Delaney says, slight slur in Rich's voice, and he's out of the gate talking about attacking pirates. Carrying the Friday started right with some bourbon, no doubt. God, I wish, Steve. I really do. But <laughs> thank you for that. Um, I just feel like the Thomas Jefferson Barbary Pirates analogy is analogous to... Um, our foreign policy question of when the president has powers outside of the United States. And I really also think that if I was drunk, I probably would not be able to make that analogy. Right, Matt DeSantis? I mean, if you're drunk, are you bringing up Jefferson and the Barbary Pirates? <laughs> yeah, I No, I'm not. Right? Like, you're probably not as much, I would think. Um, anyway, so uh, that's where we are today. Uh, Social Construct says, have you been drinking today? No, I haven't. I just had dental work done, and I'm still a little <laughs> numb. I sound trash. I'm not trash. I just am recovering from, uh, what is it called? Lidocaine. Uh, what, what, what is it? What do they give you? What do they give you in your, in, your, in your tongue, your mouth, your lip, whatever it is? I'm actually not sure. I, th- I think it might be lidocaine. Yeah, lidocaine sounds right. Yeah. Lidocaine, right? Yeah. Yeah, you sound a little strange, but you're coherent. Like everything that you said during your opening monologue, I thought was spot on. Yeah. If you were drunk, then nothing you said would make sense. Yeah, I don't think I could talk about the Jefferson, the Barbary Pirates, and the question of whether or not the the War Powers Act extends beyond foreign seas. <laughs> if I'm drunk, I think it might sound weird if I have had a giant needle in my lip. Right? Like, we can all understand that point, I think. I understood it. Thank you very much. So, for the record, you did not have a two-bourbon lunch. No, I wish. I've had no bourbon today. I've had no alcoholic beverages today. I've only had lidocaine. Do you have to keep uh, – is it going to wear off by the end of the show, or is it going to be a, uh, a consistent thing? They told me it should wear off in an hour, oh, so I should good. be good. No, yeah. We don't have to explain it to each guest that we have on. Oh, my God. Right. I know. <laughs> Seriously. Or every Twitter person, too, as well. Um. Yeah, no, the thing about it, too, is that it really does hurt if you don't have anesthesia. And they give you a local anesthetic, which hurts like hell, by the way. It really does. But the key point, though, is I've had so much anesthesia in the last year with my surgeries that I am immune to anesthesia. It, re- it literally does not affect my body. I was wide awake for my surgery, Matt DeSantis, when they cut out 18 inches of my colon at Cooper in July. Did you know that? Ugh. Ugh. Like on purpose or you just happened to wake up? I was wide awake. 
I was telling the doctors how to move. I was like, listen, why don't you take that scalpel and move it to the left, like 0.2 millimeters? And they were like, okay, fine, we'll do that. It's not easy. Were you watching it on the big screen they got in there? Yeah, I was, too. Did you ever see that movie where the guy was um, under anesthesia? Ryan Phillippe, I think, was the actor. And he was under anesthesia, and he was wide awake, though, for the entire procedure. Did you ever see that? Oh, that sounds terrible. Awful, right? I know there was, like, a woman who, like, didn't want to lose her ability to play, like, the violin or be, like, musically gifted. Yeah. And she had to have brain surgery. So during the brain surgery, to ensure, like, she wouldn't lose that part of her, she played the violin throughout, like, the entire thing. Well, evidently, brain surgery, uh, you don't feel anything. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's your brain, so that makes sense, right? I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I guess. You went to Harvard. It's close enough. I didn't go to medical school. I studied political science. I'm an idiot. Well, you did go to Johns Hopkins, which Johns Hopkins Medical School has issued an apology, we by the way, for the record. This. We do, actually. Every I think we do. Every I'm associated with just humiliates themselves. Why? I think it's you. I think you're the problem. I really do. <laughs> You, I truly do. You leave these schools with just like a, in a cloud of destruction. Uh, uh, I I know it's horrible. They're like hell bent on destroying their reputation and consequently destroying my resume in the process. So, um, Johns Hopkins came out this week. The head of diversity came out and said, "If you are a white person, cisgender, able-bodied male, any of these other categories, you are somebody who has." Privilege, And she said, and this is the point, privilege is something that cannot be earned. You either have it or you don't. Basically meaning like you cannot work for it, forget all that. You either have privilege or you don't. So she said these things. And then, this is the best part about this too, she proceeded to list this whole category. Today, the head of the Johns Hopkins Medical School and the dean of the Johns Hopkins entire health system came out and said, we disagree with her. We don't agree with her choice of words. We don't agree with her definition of privilege. But they did not fire her. That's the most amazing part about all of this. They didn't fire her for this. I don't understand how that's possible. She came out and she essentially said, if you're not a black, disabled lesbian, you are, have privilege, right? Even a black woman, disabled lesbian. Even if you were middle-aged, which doesn't make sense to me. No, my favorite is that she said, if you're in the owning class... That's a whole new category I've never heard before. Owning class. If you're the owning class, what does that mean? You own property? I guess, yeah. It's middle or owning class. So I guess if you own a home or a condominium or something, then uh, you are privileged. All right, so let's break this down for a second. If I own a house, I'm the owning class. What if I'm super rich? I decide to just rent because the economy stinks and the interest rates are too high. Am I not privileged? Or I am because I'm also white and cisgender, able-bodied and... You know what I mean? Like it, she, like she lists everything except a black lesbian disabled woman. I mean, that's the only category. I would say this: a black lesbian transgender disabled woman. That's that's it. No, they're still privileged if they speak English. Okay, all right, you're fair enough. A black lesbian transgender disabled 
a Spanish-speaking woman. Thank you. You are then not privileged. Is that right? Yes. And also, just to be clear to the audience, I'm not joking. It, it's clearly listed. English-speaking people are privileged according to this definition. All right. So if you are somebody who is the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Johns Hopkins, and you're somebody who is um, getting paid what? What do you think she makes a year? $200,000 a year? Oh, maybe more? Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot. All right. You are not privileged because you are a black woman. Let me just understand this correctly. Um, even though you have one of the most prestigious posts in America, you are not privileged because you are still a black woman who's not a cisgender, white, male, able-bodied, English-speaking person. Is that right? Yes, I think. All right. So what if you're a white guy in Appalachia who doesn't have any money whatsoever? And you're a coal miner and your job has been taken away because of the war on climate and you have nothing. You have no means whatsoever. And also, by the way, you might be bisexual. Do you have any privilege or are you? I think you're still privileged in that scenario because you're presumably middle aged if you're you're working, you know, manual labor. And uh, I assume the individual speaks English, so they're still privileged. Wow. Might be Christian, too. A Christian person. Yeah, that's that's privileged. Again, Man. not a joke. It's on there. It's listed. If you're Christian, you're privileged. Mad if you're going to say not a joke, you got to say no joke, folks. That is the proper <laughs> no, no way joke. to say that. <laughs> I wasn't doing a, a uh, Biden impersonation. I just wanted to be crystal clear to the audience that although some of the things that we mentioned were ridiculous, it wasn't hyperbole. It's actually on this this email. No joke, folks. Is the uh, is the question. <laughs> Well, we're gr very grateful to our friend, Dr. Mike Fineri, even though I got Novocaine today, and I am telling you what, it, this is brutal. Um, you are absolutely in good hands for the rest of the show today. Jimmy Fail is going to be here, Dr. Victoria Coates. We did start potentially World War III yesterday. Donald Trump says that. Do we agree? What is the effect on the Iowa caucus now that we have struck at the Houthis, I have a thought on this. And the thought is this. Um, despite the weather, which we're told now, and my friend Dana Perino is texting me right now saying that there is a fierce winter storm snarling the Iowa campaign and the caucus. I think that this helps Trump in a big way. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because uh, the weather means that if you are somebody who's on the fence, yeah, you don't really care. You're going to stay home. If you're a Trump supporter and you have, we, we've, we've seen this before, you will crawl over glass to vote for Donald Trump. You will ensure Trump's victory. At the same time, though, if you are anti-Trump, you may also come out in Iowa. So my prediction is this. Iowa caucus Monday. Donald Trump comes in first. Nikki Haley comes in second. Ron DeSantis underperforms, drops out Monday night, and endorses Donald Trump, which he should do, ahead of the New Hampshire primary. Unlike Chris Christie, he comes out and he says, I am backing Donald Trump because he is the only person who can keep us out of World War III. That will go a long way towards, I think, solidifying the anti-war base. Senator Rand Paul came out today and said, while he's not ready yet to endorse a candidate, he is ready to endorse a non-candidate or say which candidate he is opposed to, and that is Nikki Haley. He's launched a new site called NeverNikki.net, not 
nevernikki.com, nevernikki.net. And the reason why is because Ron DeSantis says Nikki Haley is a puppet of the establishment, will drag us into World War III and keep us in Ukraine. How much do the events of the last couple days keep us engaged in saying that Trump is the only person who can keep us from getting into World War III? That question is something that will play out, I believe, in New Hampshire and Iowa, but particularly Iowa over the course of this weekend. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. In case you're just joining us, I am not drunk. I just had a dental procedure done today where I had some Novocaine. Uh, My lip is a little bit... um, numb but i'm coming back rapidly don't worry by four o'clock i'll be fine there was no way i was going to say i'm coming uh i'm going to call in a guest host before the the iowa uh new hampshire caucus on on i'm sorry iowa caucus on monday but i'm here with you and we will be here on monday as well because monday is the big day and then the question becomes who comes in second haley or desantis my prediction is Haley, and then Ron DeSantis says, I have no pathway. If that is the case, if that is in fact the case, Ron DeSantis has an opportunity, something that Chris Christie had in blue prior to New Hampshire. Ron DeSantis has the opportunity to say, I am part of the Trump coalition, the never Nikki coalition that Ron DeSantis can say, I will help Donald Trump win New Hampshire. If he does that, that's going to go a long way towards solidifying his lead and solidifying the idea that in 2028, he is the choice of the MAGA Republican candidates. I believe this is his smart strategy. What do you think? 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. And of course, our big story of the day today brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, the great dentist, and he is absolutely the best. Just visit VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Don't forget our big event with Terry Hayes coming up on February 7th. I'm loving his book, The Year of the Pilgrim. Oh, it's so great. I'm telling you, it is the best. I loved the year, I'm sorry, The Year of the Locust. I love The Year uh, of the Locust so much. It's a great book. By far, it is the best thriller of the year I've read, and Jack Carr concurs. So the thing about it is that as we are launching airstrikes on the Houthis, you have to remember something. The real-time events of books, of fiction, sometimes often reflect nonfiction and reality. And as we launch these attacks on the Houthis, Iran is backing them. How does a guy who's a CIA operative get into deep into Iran, right? Go deep into Iran and help take out Iranian airspace. That is the book that Terry Hayes writes about in The Year of the Locust. If you read I Am Pilgrim, you know this guy is at the forefront of suspense and making you want to stay up late and turn every single page. The Year of the Locust, even better, in my opinion, his best book yet, because he talks about technology, the forefront of our military strategy. But at the heart of it is what happens after ISIS is blown out? Donald Trump defeated ISIS. There's no question about that. But these radical Islamic terrorists always find a way to come back. In this case, in this book, The Year of the Locust, it is the army of the pure. 
these people are radical and they are determined to destroy the United States of America. So how do you infiltrate that group? How do you defeat them? How do you find out whether or not they're telling you the truth? And whether or not a courier, a simple courier, a man of no means whatsoever, is selling the United States a bill of goods for $25 million about a spectacular attack against the homeland, or whether or not he's telling the truth. Terry Hayes answers all these questions in The Year of the Locust, and I will be with him on February 7th. Get your tickets today by going to 1210WPHG.com today, and uh, this will sell out. All my events sell out. That's the beautiful thing about the Zeal army we always sell out our events 1210wphg.com do it now terry hayes is a great guy he'll sign your book you'll get to meet him he's a brilliant guy too he wrote road warrior and mad max too he is a smart guy and he was a journalist embedded with cia operatives so he knows how they operate 1210wph.com february 7th the year of the locust me and terry hayes together i will see you on february 7th thanks for listening to the seoli show podcast from talk radio 1210 wpht and the odyssey app so i had an option today i could um call in sick or get my dental work done and be on the air so i chose to be on the air and i'm getting uh absolutely worked over on social media for sounding drunk i'm not i promise i wish i was i really do in this day and age i wish i was but i'm not um but my god the tweets are just incredible absolutely incredible so let's see um I'm sure some of you, uh, some of these with you. Let's see. Um, you sound kind of low energy. Teeth suck. Am I right? Yes, they do. Yeah. Listen, like you've never had dental work before. Um, slurred Zioli is better than no Zioli, says Orner Ornery Hounds. Thank you, Ornery <laughs> Hounds. I appreciate that. Michael Pelka says, I'm not trashed. Uh, right, right. Listen, Opelka, if I was trash, you'd be on the air right now, so don't give me a hard time. Also, speaking of being trash, you owe me a bottle of bourbon. Um, let's see. Marcus O'Reilly says, is Kamala Harris hosting the show today? That's a very good point. Um Mar 2000 says, it's so funny. I'm listening to Rich while I'm clearly out in my garage. I'm saying to myself, is he intoxicated? Maybe he's doing his show from the Cape May bar. Or maybe he usually sounds like that as I don't listen every day. I'm glad he explained his dental procedure, LOL. Very good. Um, yeah, that's okay. Uh, Social Construct 20, have you been drinking today? All right, fair enough. I will never, ever get dental work again and then go be on the air. I, I promise you that. But I just said, it's just the, the Iowa caucus is Monday. I can't take off work. Like, the kids are off from school on Monday, Matt DeSantis. Monday's a holiday. Kids are off from school. I will be here on the air. I'm not going to take off work prior to or the day of a major political primary. The kids are off from school for a week in April. And my wife is. My wife said to me, she said, do you want to go to like, um, I don't know, like Disney or uh, Cancun or something with the kids? I said, no, I have to be on the air. These are major political events. So even if I am sick or there's something that has to happen or emergency dental procedure i've got to be on the air these are these are consequential political events am i right yeah plus today's a big day obviously with the uh u.s-led strike against houthi rebels in yemen 
Right, exactly. We also were at the um, very, very beginnings of World War Three. So, no, I've, I've got to be here. I can't. I would love to take a Friday off me and call Greg Soccer and be like, listen, I had dental procedure, but I have to. <laughs> I can't be on the air. But, no, I've got to be on the air. This is major stuff here, and this is consequential. So, we'll be fine. We'll get through this together, and Dr. Victoria Coates will be here. Wilford Riley is still ignoring us, which is kind of weird. Kind of awkward, no? No, I didn't text him today. He didn't ignore he did us not. today. Yeah. All right, fair enough. No. And uh, Jimmy Fallon will be here. I just, I do want to say, in all seriousness, Jimmy Fallon, his new show Saturday night, tomorrow night, 10 p.m. on the Fox News Network. It is uh, Saturday night, Fox News Saturday night with Jimmy Fallon. Now it's gonna be great. Jimmy is the man, and I love the guy, and I love the fact that years ago he used to fill in for me. It's kind of like when I don't know Dave Matthews Band used to fill in for some. I don't know, rock band you never heard of before. And then all of a sudden, everybody turned around and said, wow, this band is huge. Uh, Jimmy was and still is the the admiral of the Zioli Navy. So we love Jimmy Fela. We're happy for him. He's going to do a great job tomorrow night, 10 p.m. My hope is that you'll tune in. We want to give Jimmy big ratings tomorrow night. We'd love for him to just absolutely crush it on his first night as the host of the new show he'll be fantastic i think that he is a you know what, what makes him special is that he's down to earth and jimmy is uh, the kind of guy that will tell it like it is but also do it in a way that's entertaining and there's not many of us out there like that so when you find somebody like that whether it's me or jimmy you gotta back them you gotta stick together all right here's lieutenant colonel davis on the yemen strike and what this means and what does this mean for america I told you in my opening monologue that the War Powers Act is a very, very tricky constitutional question. I do believe the president acted within the constructs of the War Powers Act. That said, I don't agree that the War Powers Act lasts forever. And this is where presidents, I think, go off the mark. The war on terror lasted for 20 years, all under a, technically speaking, emergency authorization by Congress. In my opinion, if something is going to last more than 90 days, Congress needs to authorize a declaration of war. This is my problem with, with the war in Ukraine. We keep sending money and munitions to Ukraine. We have no strategy whatsoever. And we don't turn around ever to Ukraine and say, hey, you need a ceasefire like we do to Israel. So I think Congress needs to debate this question and get involved. However, the problem is that there are a lot of Republicans, because it's Russia, who want to turn around and say, I stand with Ukraine no matter what. Okay, that's great. I'm, we're so proud of you. We're so proud of you for wanting to stand with Ukraine. But if you do not turn around and say, we stand with the Constitution ahead of Ukraine, then you're a bunch of frauds. This is the issue. All these things, whether it's Ukraine or the strikes on Yemen last night have the, the consequence, the possibility of dragging the United States into World War III. And unfortunately, my, my biggest fear is that in this day and age, the president will not ask for, nor will he technically need congressional authorization. I hate Woodrow Wilson. I hate Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But to their credit, both of them did ask Congress for an authorization for a declaration of war. Because back then, in the good old days, that's what you did. Then we had LBJ. 
So Lyndon Baines Johnson asked for something called the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution. LBJ said, I don't need a declaration of war. We don't want to declare Vietnam as a war. And to this day, it has never been declared a war. It's been a conflict, much like the Korean conflict. He used Truman's example with Korea as his justification for Vietnam. But ultimately, that lasted for clearly more than a generation and affected so many lives. LBJ said, I don't need congressional authorization if I can just get their authorization for something in particular. George Bush used the same ideology with regards to the war on terror. There has to be a time when Congress reasserts its power under Article 1 of the United States Constitution and says, we declare war. You are the commander-in-chief, Mr. President, no question about it, but you're only the commander-in-chief if we, the Congress, have declared there is a state of war. Now, we all understand, just as Thomas Jefferson did with the Barbary Pirates, there are circumstances which the United States of America has a reason to strike early and often, I would add, uh, before Congress can get together. But in those days, in Jefferson's days, the Congress had to come together by stagecoach. It took a long time. Nowadays, we can all do it by Zoom. So what do you think that period of time is? In my opinion, if you look at the founding fathers and the framers of the Constitution and what they thought, what they perceived to be the president's powers insofar as war, they wanted it to be very limited. So Jefferson struggles with this concept, right? He's faced with this idea. These Barbary pirates are attacking our ships, the Merchant Marine Corps. They're attacking our ships. What do we do about it? His idea is that if the United States of America is confronted with something that affects our ability in the homeland to conduct commerce, the president has a responsibility to act. So the Marines meet at the Hunt Tavern in Philadelphia, and years later he sends them down to the very, very first international conflict outside of the borders of the United States to defeat the Barbary Pirates. Years later, of course, Jefferson would debate the question of the Louisiana Purchase. Does the president have the right to buy land? And then if the federal government buys that land, what do we do with it? All these questions remain questions to this day we tackle with. For example, is Texas in the right to say this land in our state is our land? And if the federal government enters our land, they are violating our state law. We will arrest them because that's what's happening right now with the Border Patrol entering land in Texas. Now, there is the uh, the excuse me, the other argument. I had dental work done today. Um, I have to remind you, if you're just joining the show, if I slur my words, is the reason why. If the federal government enters state land and the state has said, this is our land, you cannot enforce your powers here, does that violate the supremacy clause of the United States Constitution? Now, I would argue it does not. And here's the reason why. When blue cities declare themselves sanctuary cities, let's take Philadelphia, for example. When Jim Kenney did the white man's overbite and stood outside his office in the hallway with his chief of staff at the time and danced and sang, we are a sanctuary city, yeah. 
Jim Kenny was asserting the notion that we do. Oh, we have to break. All right, I'm sorry. I went a little long here. We'll quick, take a quick break, and we'll come right back. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Jim Kenny asserted the fact we are a sanctuary city. Does that hold is the question. We'll come right back. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. The Iowa caucus is on Monday. What about the fierce storm that is going to affect the state? We'll talk about that, how I think it helps Donald Trump. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here today. I had some dental work done today, so please do not judge the sound of my voice. I'm not drunk, I promise you. I had a um, little procedure done, but I'm good. I'm all good. And I promise that I am going to be here on Monday as well. I will not take off before primaries. This is a, a key uh, point of my political career and my radio career as well. There are certain times in a talk show host's life that matter. And the Friday before the Iowa caucus is one of them. I could have been in the hospital. I would have done the show from my hotel room. Which, by the way, Dr. Maz would have arranged at Cooper. No question about it um monday is the iowa caucus i will be on the air my kids are off from school i will still be on the air because you have to hear from me on the day of the iowa caucus my kids will be on spring break in april for a week and i'm still going to be on the air i'm not taking the week off because we have the pennsylvania primary i don't know if it'll be a real primary but i will be on the air nonetheless 855-839-1210 on twitter at rich zioli i know you you make jokes like hey friday come on you know what zioli's not working well here i am on a friday working after a dental procedure but the truth of the matter is, is that there are, there are moments. There are moments in life where you got to be on the air i believe this i really do believe this and here we are on friday I heard a uh, great uh, uh, comment from one of my friends. I have these friends. They're, they're wonderful people. I, I love them to death. I really do. But they are sort of my kooky friends. They're a little bit more t- conspiratorial than I can even stomach sometimes. And they said, oh, my God, Monday, the weather machine is at it. There's been a theory for years that the Central Intelligence Agency has a the ability to affect weather. I don't know if they do or not. I have no idea. How can anybody know at this point? Considering the fact that the CIA has not fully declassified the Kennedy files, and 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 Dr. Fauci met with them prior to telling everybody that the virus did not come from the Wuhan lab. It came from a bat burger. A medium rare bat burger with a pangolin aioli and a side of raccoon dog fries or vice versa. However you want to do it. Sometimes people like the raccoon dog aioli and the pangolin fries. I don't know. I'm not judging your choice in, uh, in, in side dishes. I'm just saying that it's hard to believe anything these days. So when people say the CIA has the ability to affect weather, I don't know if they do, but I don't know if they don't. So that's the problem, right? Now, a fierce winter storm is snarling Iowa. 
Is that done by the deep state because they have a weather machine and they can actually affect weather and hurt Donald Trump? If so, and I'm not saying they don't because I don't know. I have no idea to know the technology that the United States military has. But if that is their goal, all I can tell you is that they are making a huge mistake because Trump supporters will come out in Iowa despite the fact of the weather, despite whether or not there's a blizzard or it's super cold or not. By the way, just me and you, and um, not for the general public, I don't think we can actually affect the weather. I just don't. But that's for another show. <laughs> just saying. I, I, I don't think we can. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that, Matt? That's like not a, a very bold pro, uh, proclamation. I, I just, I don't. I think there's a lot of things we can do. Like, could we have killed Kennedy, open air convertible? Yeah, probably. Did we fake the moon landing? We could have. I'm not saying we did. I'm just saying, like, we could have. But to affect the weather, I think we would, in this day and age, I feel like we know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I feel like we should ask Henry. If he doesn't believe in the conspiracy, then it's not real. Henry, right. yes or no? That is a great test of the Zioli show. Does Henry believe in the conspiracy theory? Yes or no? Henry, do you believe the Central Intelligence Agency has the ability to affect the weather? Uh, oh, that's okay. That's not where I thought we were going with this. Okay, uh, are you yeah. Listening I, no, I, I am. I, mean, we were going I thought I thought you were talking. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought you were talking about climate change. Dial back. <laughs> Slow it down and yeah. dial back. Where did you think we were going with this? Climate change. No, had nothing to do with climate what? change. Nothing whatsoever. <laughs> Oh. I didn't even bring up so you, climate change. Matt, the same this did I bring up climate change at all in my opening? Well, you said we, we have the ability to affect the weather, and I thought you were talking about like greenhouse gas emissions. No, I'm not saying paying like attention. the weather on a Thursday because people in DC want to get home early to see their kids or go shopping. I think they can do it. I don't. Think, I don't think they would do no. it for something as mundane and simple as that. All right. What about the Iowa caucus? Yeah, totally. Sure. <laughs> Why not? All right. <laughs> Do you? Well, this didn't go as planned. I thought he would just give a quick no and we could move on. No, I, I believe that we have the technology to manipulate weather. All right. Do you agree with Henry? We can manipulate weather. 855 no. 839 no. What? I, I think it exists. I Why not? It. No. I, all right. Call in and voice your opinion. All right, so I have friends who totally agree with you, by the way. They completely agree that we can manipulate the weather. But my point is this. If we're going to do that in Iowa, why would you do it considering the fact that if there's bad weather, only Trump supporters are going to turn out? Right? No, it makes no sense to me, uh, but I also don't think that anyone can control the weather, so I mean, I'm have, the wrong person to ask. Of all these steps they've taken in the past, you know, like, why, why would they get this step right? Why would they think, you know, uh, maybe I'm not making enough sense. Like, every step they've taken to kind of deter Trump voters and deter Trump, it hasn't worked, right? It's only, like, made him stronger in, in a sense. All right, so I had a dental procedure today, and I, I sound a little bit slurring. You have not had a dental procedure, and you're making no sense whatsoever. No, I feel like so. I am. So, 
right? We I feel like you talked about how like every time they charge some, Trump with something, they do something to Trump, it only makes him and his like base stronger, correct? Right. Yes. Yes. So isn't this just another thing in that long line of like, oh, we're going to get him this time and it ends up backfiring? All right. So the, the theory is, if I understand this correctly, they manipulate the weather thinking they're hurting Trump, but it only helps Trump. Correct. So then that goes to my larger theory, which is that the Democrats still don't understand that making Trump the nominee is a dangerous game that they're playing, right? Correct. All right. We agree. Yeah. We agree on that point. Matt DeSantis, once again, Matt DeSantis, traitorous, you are in the wrong on this issue. No, I'm not. I'm in the right. The government can't control the weather. Oh, would you Google that? No, I didn't Google it. It's common sense. If they could control the weather, they would weaponize it against uh, enemies, not and, and internally. And say they haven't. Oh, there's a well, lot of why did they just make it rain uh, on the? Uh, well, they can't make it they, obvious. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. If they could, then why did they just make it rain on the Houthis? That's my point. Because everybody they want knows rain? the Houthis hate rain. We know this. <laughs> the Houthis hate the rain, right? <laughs> they melt like the Wicked Witch of the West and the Witch of Oz. Basically, yeah. They're like, oh my god, it's water. They're like gremlins. They just it doesn't work out well for them, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like out in the desert, they'd welcome it. Well, that's true. Maybe they would refuel them, is basically what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. You have to use a blizzard. Okay, All but right. that, that, you can't do that. Sorry, um, I didn't know the rules. By the way, a protester was tackled a, at, at a DeSantis event in Iowa today. I'm not slurring because I'm drunk. I'm slurring because I had a dental procedure done. Gosh, I have to feel like I've got to qualify this or quantify this. So quantify is math. Qualify this every five seconds because I'm getting so many tweets right now. And it's really annoying. But I could have just called out today, but I did not. I'm here. I'm right here. I'm, I'm live and I'm talking about the Constitution, the War Powers Act, and Thomas Jefferson the Barbary Pirates. Who could do that if they're drunk is my question. Who? I don't know, but I do like that we've had to start every segment with, I'm not drunk, I just had the dental procedure. But no, then, but it just it frustrates me, right? Well, I, I don't know if you're helping your case because we just spent 15 minutes talking about whether the CIA can control the weather patterns. Plus, yeah, plus the lady doth protest too much. No, that that is, um, <laughs> the lady doth protest too much. Methinks we talked about this the other day. Remember? Yeah, I'm just Which, saying. If I was drunk, how could I remember that? A, we talked about it, and B, that that is the actual Shakespearean quote. Right. Good memory, I guess. But you don't have that if you're drunk, Henry. That's my point. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I still remember things fine when I'm after a couple of drinks. Oh, fine. You know what? You are not helping my cause at all here. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm... Henry has destroyed this segment. <laughs> you ask me at a question. You, you invite me in. I. At every turn. I'm just making destroyed. myself at home here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Why don't we just go to an audio uh, cut, shall we? Why don't we do that instead? It might might help us. It might help all of us. Next time I get a dental procedure, Opelka, if you're listening, and I know you are, you are definitely being called up. Oh, and I'm having lunch with him on Tuesday because for two reasons. Number one, he owes me a bottle of Eagle Rare bourbon. Technically speaking, I owe him $100 for it. But 
Uh, number two is that Tuesdays are the day to show up at Odyssey. Am I right? Everybody's in the office on Tuesday. The salespeople are there. Everybody's there. So now that we have to pay for parking, the $8 that I have to pay <laughs> is justified by the fact that I can be around salespeople, right? Yes. Yeah, Tuesday's like the only day anybody is here, really. Yeah, Tuesday's the day. Friday is not the day to be in studio, which is helpful, considering the fact that since I had a dental procedure, <laughs> I could not be in studio. Now, since I'm not in studio today, this is the first day of my home office. This is the inaugural edition of it. Can you tell the difference? I No, I think it sounds like you are in studio. Henry, what do you think? No, I can tell. How can you tell? It it just sounds different. It's you want me to get into the nitty gritty of it? Like, Go ahead. You Go sound for a little it. overmodulated at this point. Well, then why don't you adjust that so we can <laughs> fix that? Because I don't think it's a big issue. I just you know your well, sounds. Well, fine. I got I got the keyboard right here. Let's adjust it. How do you want me to do it? Come on, let's do it right now. Let's do it. Here we go. I'm going to adjust my microphone levels. This is down. Oh, this is good. up. Up down. Up down. Up down. What do you like? Up, down, something up, down. in the middle. Yeah, up. No, up is the way to go. All right, we're it's up. Just, this yeah. is all the way up. Go yeah, ahead. that's fine. Tommy McDonald, if you're listening, we need your help. Uh, this is up all the way. You sound. You're telling me it's overmodulated. I, I just think you you sound a little too hot. Yeah. All right, let me lower it. So yesterday I was in studio, and Tommy, who built my office, said you sounded a bit tinny in the studio. I mean, he, he would thought have I better, was home. Oh, really? Yeah. He would have the better ear for it. He, he's got all the words. Well, you are in the, like, literally, you're at the board. You're controlling everything, and you're telling me that I sound overmodulated. So what does that mean? It just sounds like you're coming at, like, if you're, you were talking really close to the mic. All right, I'll step back. But How I, about I, this? Yeah, I think your levels are fine. You sound, like, from a volume-wise, you're fine. All right, how about this? Better? Yeah, it's better. <laughs> all right, good. <laughs> Well, no, this is what we have to do, to test the uh, the home studio. We have to do it on air? Well, we can do it off air, but we don't plan anything on this show. Friday. We never have, so how about now? Yeah, you're good. How about now? <laughs> no, that didn't sound as good. Yeah. yeah I don't how know. about now? That sounds too much. No. no. no Hello, point. ladies. How are you? <laughs> how about, all right, how about now? <laughs> I like the last one. All right, ladies, how are you tonight? How about right here? Perfect? That good? sounds good to me, yeah. Henry? It'll play. Oh, you know what, Henry? You are such a snob when it comes to the... You are what we call an audiophile, and this is what I mean by that. You are somebody who has a distinct ear for the audio qualities, which I appreciate. I do. Somebody on the show has to. Matt's a sink traitorous, is too obsessed with Harvard and Johns Hopkins and everything else. But you have an ear for this stuff, so do you like this level where the microphone is right now? Yeah, that sounds better. You like it? Yes. All right, good. The inaugural edition of the home studio. Let me explain the home studio for you right now. I have two TVs going on right now. I have um, plenty of foam. Do you hear the foam, the foam installation? Do I hear the foam? No. No, exactly. Courtesy of USA Insulation. They insulated the studio. Does it not sound like an acoustic masterpiece? There's no echo whatsoever. Beautiful. Thank you. Well done. Now, the, the only problem is that I did have a flood in the studio this morning. 
However, Lou Vargo and his dad, Lou Vargo Sr. from Garden State Earthworks, came came to the house today, and they're going to address the problem by putting in drains to drain the water out because you don't want to flood in your home studio for several reasons. Number one, you don't want to float away. Number two, you don't want the water to, um, you know, electrocute all of your fancy acoustical equipment, right? Well, that'd be bad, yeah. We don't want that, ideally. So Garden State State Earthworks will take care of that for you. Let's see. Um, I got some tweets coming in. Michael Pelka, who is listening right now, says, Home studio sounds better than the last one, and eight bucks for parking. Where did you find that deal? Matt DeSaint de Traitorous found that deal on 2400 Chestnut Street. We should not give that away. Yeah, I need that spot. (laughs) <laughs> Henry, dump that so no one knows never where. Park on, never park on that street that Rich just mentioned. I'm not even going to say right. it again because I, I don't want people to know. Now, when Jimmy Fallon joins us at 530, I'm going to ask him, Jimmy, do you have the same problem I do parking? Or do you, since they're putting up billboards of your face in <laughs> Times Square, have a better time figuring that out is my question. You think Fox News springs for the parking? Here's what I know. When I go on Fox News, Matt, which was um, the last time was on New Year's Day, and it could have been Monday night, too, on Jesse Waters, they offer a studio, a driver, and a parking space. Wow. Odyssey says if you'd like to come to work every day, you have to actually be the valet. <laughs> so we have to, I, I have to stand outside and take people's cars and hope for tips. <laughs> True story. No joke, folks. No joke. <laughs> now people are asking how drunk is my staff so how drunk are you two in the studio is the question i didn't do anything henry i don't know i'm hammered (laughs) you're hammered henry's not drunk he's just weird i I thought the ride down here was getting a little boring so a couple shots of tequila (laughs) why not right yeah the best part is that in all the years I've been doing this show, there have been two times I've been on the air after a medical procedure. The first time was when Opelka was hosting. I got out of the hospital on a Monday, and Mike was hosting, and I was lit. I mean, lit beyond belief. I had had anesthesia and pain meds, and I came home from the hospital that day, and to this day, I do not remember the conversation on the air with Michael Opelka. So I, he says to me, he says, Please call into the show. Let everybody know how you're doing. So I did. I called in the show. I was like, hey, how you know, how are you? I don't remember to this day the conversation. I was so incredibly medicated. Yeah, I remember. And then there's what's you remember that day? Because I call I called you and I was like, Hey Rich, what's up? And you had no idea who I was. Yeah, I was like, Who's this? <laughs> You're like, it's Henry. I'm like, Henry who? Henry the guy, give me liberty or death, that guy? <laughs> You're like, no, it's Henry Machette, your producer. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, you. Uh, so I got in the other day. This day, the, but nobody called me out. Not a single person on social media said, Zioli sounds hammered. Today, I get, a, I get a dental procedure done. I have had 575 tweets, at least. People going, Zioli's hammered. He should not be on the air. What is happening right now? What's going on? It's funny how these things work out. All I can tell you is this. I wish right now in this moment, as the pain is starting to actually set in and the pain meds are wearing off, that I have the ability to have the same drugs I had when I left Cooper that Monday and called Michael Pelka. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. 
I, I think there's two reasons as to why you're getting called out so much more today, though. Go ahead. One, I think it's the slurring. Like, whatever's messed up with your lip, it's not helping. Right. And then two, you primed the audience uh, to let everyone know that you were having surgery, that you'd be out, that you'd be recovering for, you know, days or weeks. Uh, you didn't do that this time. You just showed, right, so you just came showed, on the air. Just came on the air, slurring. just slurring away. Yeah. But I didn't have it. It was a, it was an emergency procedure, so I didn't have the ability to tell everybody, yeah. hey, like, hey, tomorrow when you hear me on the air, I'm going to be slurring for the first 90 minutes of the show <laughs> because I had a dental procedure. Right. It might be my imagination or perhaps it's wishful thinking, but it does seem as though the slurs aren't quite as bad as they were at 3.05. Because I had the procedure at like 2 o'clock. That's the reason. It wears off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think you're sounding better. Although well, that good. last sentence didn't sound so great. I may have jinxed it. Well, it's possible, too. Uh, <laughs> well done, DeSantis. Well Sorry. done. I'll, I'll take the blame. You, like the Johns Hopkins diversity director, are walking back your comments now. <laughs> hey, I'm glad they walked them back. Yeah, so th basically, I'm a person of privilege, and so is every person who's white and male and cisgender, able by oh, Opelka, he's listening right now. Don't yell at me. That's not my term, cisgender, able-bodied, and um, own, then my, my favorite uh, po point of that was owning class. If you're in the owning class, <laughs> meaning you own something, what if I choose to rent? And these high interest rates because of Joe Biden, I choose to rent. Am I am I a person of privilege or no? Not according to her definition. You're in the clear. I guess not, right? But the thing about it is that I have a lot of friends who have more money than I do because they're actually in careers that are not radio. And they <laughs> they are renting. They're not buying right now because of the economy. So the owning class notion, I would think probably in this day and age, applies more to people of the lower to middle class than it does to the upper class because the upper class has the means to rent because rental prices right now are incredibly high. As there's an inventory shortage in real estate for, for properties to buy, there are a lot of people right now who are saying, I'll just rent, you know, but if you're, if, if there's a shortage of like anything else in the economy, if the supply of houses to buy is low and the demand is high, well, the supply is going to be very, very, very expensive. And so people are turning around saying, I'll rent, but consequently the rental prices are higher than they've ever been. So if you've got means right now, you can rent a place and it won't make a dent in you because you know it's short term and you're probably paying what you would pay in interest for something but the amortization does not apply because let's face it you're not amortizing over a 30-year period and so people say i'll rent so you're not in the owning class however you have more money than god how are you not a person of privilege? This is why Johns Hopkins has walked back now and apologized for the diversity director. Even though the diversity director will keep her job, we would not, however, if we said these things, we would not. The diversity director keeps her job. The Pentagon press secretary is now saying that the strikes against the Houthis will continue. Here is Lieutenant Colonel Davis. And what all this means in terms of what the United States of America may be facing as we continue down this road, cut number one. I, I tell you, Laura, I, I'm really concerned on a number of fronts. Number one, I want to know what's the what's the plan here? What, what is the expectation? What is the end state? 
where are we trying to go with this? Because if we think that firing a few missiles is going to cow the Houthis and they're going to stop doing what they're going to do and they're going to be deterred, I mean, that should be eliminated after we've been seeing the failure of all these strikes to eliminate, uh, to uh, deter the Iran-backed groups against our troops in Iraq and in Syria and elsewhere. And we've already taken out their boats. That's not going to do it. This has every chance to escalate to a higher level because the Houthis have expressly said if we attack them on their territory, they're going to start attacking Americans and American interest in the region. What is our plan for that? And, and look, this is a potential strike that could draw us into a war. And I think the president owes it to the American people to explain to what out. he's doing to make sure we <laughs> want to go into a war. I don't. But I'd like to hear from the White House on exactly what the plan is and how this follows American law and the Constitution, which it doesn't. Yeah. So this is part of the reason why we're all very, very nervous. Now, how does this play in Iowa on Monday? My question is, does this have an effect? I think it does. And when I get back, I'll give you my analysis and how all of this affects the Iowa caucus on Monday. Do the attacks or the strikes against the Houthis in Yemen, does this help or hurt Donald Trump? Does this help or hurt Nikki Haley going into the crucial Iowa caucus? And if it does help Nikki Haley, what does this mean for Ron DeSantis on Monday? Monday night. All this for you is straight ahead. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Coming right back. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. She is the vice president of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. She is also the former deputy national security advisor to President Donald Trump. And it's a pleasure to welcome Philadelphia's own Dr. Victoria Coates, although I do have a bone to pick with you. Let me put her up here. What did I do now, Rich? Well, Monday night, you and I were together. We talked about William Penn, and I was scheduled that night to go on Jesse Waters' primetime on Fox News. We talked about William Penn, and our our interview was so impactful that Governor Josh Shapiro, we called him out. You you brought him up. We called him out. I read his tweets on the air. So impactful that within minutes of the interview concluding, he tweeted out that he contacted the National Park Service and William Penn was staying. And then, driving home, to get a, uh, a suit and tie on, you know, to go on Jesse Waters primetime. I got a call from his producer saying, listen, uh, Josh Shapiro has canceled the canceling of William Penn, so there's no segment tonight. Go home and enjoy your night. So I feel like if you had not come on the show Monday <laughs> and been so forceful, um, I would have been in Fox News Monday night. Well, I'm sorry about that, but I, I'm sure we're going to have another opportunity because uh, I think Representative Perry and I are actually going to keep this going a little bit, and we're, we've written an op-ed it's in, in, the, in the process of getting published right now, pointing out why this was so egregious and recommending that Congress, uh, in the next uh, appropriations vehicle that's logical for the National Park Service, ensure that we have uh, funding to rehab Welcome Park, which I think everybody agrees is necessary, but very explicitly uh, prohibiting any of that funding to be used to move any of the William Penn 
materials, including the the literature and that kind of thing. So we can make it explicit that that we're not going to we're not going to put up with this. And in the course of that, uh, since I do have a Ph.D. in art history, I was thinking about that particular statue of William Penn, which is a miniature of the one up on top of City Hall, which is 37 feet high and still the tallest statue on top of a building in the world. So, you know, he's our symbol, but he's also pretty distant and towering. And at Welcome Park, you have a much more almost domestic experience with the miniature version. You can get up close and personal with it, see all of its details. That's really a unique experience for Philadelphia. And so I think from an art historical perspective, it would be a sad loss as well as from a historical perspective. So we're going to try to take some steps to ensure it's protected. Good. I'm happy to hear that. But you have not addressed the fundamental problem, which is that I lost out on being on Jesse Waters' prime time because you were so forceful in condemning the cancellation of William Penn. Well, we'll we'll get in touch with Jesse and his people and tell him there are lots of reasons to have his fellow Philadelphians on the show. Uh, It's not just the William Penn thing. All right, fair enough, because as always, I try to make it all about me. Dr. Victoria Coates, <laughs> it's great to have you. Before we get into the actual stuff about World War III, let's talk about the Eagles game Monday night, because I think that is uh, more of a disaster than what's going on in the Middle East. Um, I'm really worried about how we're going to do against Tampa Bay Monday night in Tampa, by the way. Yeah, well, at least it will be warm. Uh, I'm looking at what's going to be going down this weekend in uh, Kansas City and Buffalo. I think at least we'll have decent conditions. It's it's really concerning. The meltdown of the team is is pretty profound, and you know we've all seen this happen before when you know when the wheels just suddenly come off, and it's usually some problem you know we and the fan base don't know about, but you can smell it as it's happening. And so, you know, maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of the hat, maybe, you know, slay being back. I'll I'll give them a a jolt. Um, But it's, it's looking like a kind of a, a sad end to a, to a very disappointing season. Yeah, and what a shame, too. We started off on such a high note, and for us to go from that to here we are right now at this moment, so many disappointed people. And this is the problem, right? I mean, we get so excited at the start of the season with the Eagles. We get so bummed out at the start of the season with the Phillies. And this is kind of falling on the opposite ends here, where the end of the Philly season, we were so fired up. The end of the Eagles season, now we're so depressed. And by the way, I had dental work done today, so part of my... uh, speech <laughs> i i'm sorry about that but i did have a big gigantic shot of lidocaine in my lip um it's a bummer right i mean we were really excited at the start of this if i'm nick sirianni right now i'm thinking to myself uh south jersey has high property taxes it's not the worst thing if i lose my job i think you know nick sirianni um jeffrey Lurie's not going to put up with this too long is he I don't think so. And everyone's been remarking on the fact that some pretty extraordinary coaches have suddenly become available in the last couple of days. And if you're Jeffrey Laurie and Howard Roseman and you're looking at this team, which does have championship potential, but it's not going to be forever. I mean, do we get Kelsey for another year? He was just named first string uh Pro Bowl again today for the sixth time, which he's now in a category with only 55 other players who have ever held that six times. 
And so, you know, we have this exceptional talent still at the top of his game, still the best in the game, but how long? So can you waste another year like this if you're not confident in Sirianni? And that's the question they're going to have to answer. You know, and it means, it means a great deal to the city. It's, you know, obviously it's the excitement and the fun that we all enjoy. But then, I mean, those playoff games for the Eagles are a moneymaker. You think about all of the the commerce and tourism uh, that 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 supports. You know, it's it's not just Jeff's bottom line that we're talking about here. And so, when you lose out on all those playoff games, even if we go this year, we're not going to get a playoff game, and that's a shame. And that's where you know the Phillies, I think, really paid the city back with a number of playoff games, both both last year and then this season. Uh, and we can hope for more to come, but that's that's why these teams are, you know, bottom line, important to us uh, on top of all the fun that they bring us when they're not behaving this way. All right, let's turn to the actual reason why we're on the show today. As much as I love your sports analysis, and it is outstanding, Dr. Victoria Coates is, of course, the vice president at the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, last night, a major night where the United States of America responded against the Iranian-backed Houthis for attacking our military installations, our troops, and our shipping channels as well. Now, two questions for you, number one. Number one. Um, was this inconsistent with consistent with the War Powers Act? And number two, do you think there is the potential for escalation outside of this that could result in potentially a larger global conflict? And I do just real quick, I do appreciate the opportunity to talk about art and sports uh, because all of my other topics are so depressing. But in, in <laughs> Usually people say the opposite. Like, I'm glad to talk about World War III because Philadelphia sports are so depressing. But thank you for saying that. Uh, but, you know, this is this is a really interesting case. Um, the argument the administration is making is that they because of the attacks on U.S. Uh, Navy vessels out of Yemen, that they had Article II authorities to to attack these, these sites in Yemen. But what concerns me is the president apparently made this decision on Tuesday. Uh, and so we had 48 hours. Congress was in session. And so there is no reason they couldn't, I mean, they, they informed Congress, but they, you do that like three minutes before you strike. Uh, so the, the, there was no consultation, which is what is, is called for here. And there's no reason they shouldn't have consulted, especially because they know, you know, there are strict constitutionalists on the right who have deep concerns about this. And obviously their base is freaking out now. Uh, about about the actions. So it, it's very concerning to me. Well, they'll have to put out a legal justification, uh, a formal justification, and I'm looking forward to reading that to see where they're drawing their authorities, if it is just straight Article 2 of the Constitution or if they're trying to rely on the 2001 authorization, which would be require some pretty serious intellectual gymnastics because that that authorization does not, uh, give you permission to attack anything Iranian related. It's all Al Qaeda, that kind of thing. 
Well, I guess the question would be, and this is purely playing devil's advocate here, because I'm a huge uh, supporter of the Constitution, and I, I question this as well. Um, what about the idea that if the president had gone to Congress and asked for an authorization, it would have signaled to them that something was coming, and um, for that reason, there was a national security imperative to not do that? They will almost certainly argue that, and it is a concern. Uh, but that's also the burden that is placed upon them by our free system. He's not a king, um, and so he doesn't get unilateral decision-making. And it's interesting, I think, back to the 2013 time frame when we had Obama's red line. It was right when I had first gotten to the Senate working with Senator Cruz, and, and the red line was crossed in August. The Assad regime used chemical weapons, and then there was this kind of tizzy of how the president would respond and whether he would ask for authorization from Congress. And in the end, because Senator Cruz was on armed services at the time, the White House actually sent the Armed Services Committee a message saying, what will you authorize? And we said, that's not our job. Right. You know, we, don't, we don't know. <laughs> but that's, that's how, how kind of convoluted this got. And then, then Obama continues to blame Senator Cruz to this day by name for not permitting him to more forcefully respond. And Ted's point was, you know, I might do more. I don't, he didn't like John Kerry's pinprick strike, you know, sending a message. That's not the job of our armed forces. And I think that's the case with this Yemen operation as well. They're being used as a messaging vehicle, not as a lethal military force, which is what they are. All right. So now let's turn to the question of escalation, Dr. Victoria Coates. Does this have the effect of potential escalation? How how much does Iran, I know they back the Houthis, but how much do they care? And how much does Yemen have an impact in the entire Middle East region in terms of the potential for escalation? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Iranians don't care how many Houthi die. They are utterly expendable to them, as are Hamas, as are Hezbollah, as are the Palestinian people writ large. So that's why they're behaving as they are. But in in terms of Yemen, that's where I have a problem with this, because inadvertently, uh, the president might be backing himself into a situation where you wind up with actual boots on the ground in Yemen, which nobody wants. We've seen what it did to the Saudis and the Emiratis. We've seen the millions of people in the streets of Yemen today protesting against the United States. We are not going to be greeted as liberators. And I think by focusing on Yemen and not taking decisive action, I, unfortunately, I think we're, we're inviting escalation uh, from the Houthi because, you know, they, they consider this just, you know, as I said, a minor pinprick. And it was signaled ahead of time so they could move people. They probably moved assets. Uh, and the other thing they see very clearly is that the French, the Italians, and the Spanish did not participate in this. So this vaunted Operation uh, Prosperity Guardian, which is supposed to be this international, if you believe Politico, this international message to the Houthi that they're not, you know, that, that the world is against them. It's hardly a united front. All right, so Yemen writ large, as we as we talk about this, Yemen, t tell us about this and what is their impact in the Middle East? I mean, we think about Iran. Obviously, Iran is a major, major player. We're nervous about conflict with Iran. We've had comments from politicians in the past saying, 
hey, look, you know, we, we have to either A, go to war with Iran, or B, we have to do everything in our power to avoid war with Iran. But Yemen is not a country we talk about a lot. Yemen exists there in this axis, but it does not be one of those things where people talk about it on the radar. Like, if we, if we were in a bar and people said, hey, Iran, people would either have an opinion of, yeah, yeah, you know, like John McCain, bomb, 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 Iran, or, hey, listen, <laughs> this will be catastrophic. How does Yemen play in all of this, Dr. Victoria Coates? Yeah, I may have told you this before, but I keep thinking back to this NSC meeting I was chairing, or not NSC, uh, uh, PCC for the NSC staff meeting I was chairing on Yemen during the administration. And my opening line to the assembled horde was, most Americans can't find Yemen on a map. Our job exactly. is to keep it that way. Yep. But that, I mean, this should not be a major issue for the American people. It is a nasty, intractable internal civil war that's been going on there for years. We really don't have a dog in the fight besides needing to get through uh, the Babel Mande straight to get into the Red Sea. You know, we all remember, or those of us of a certain age remember the USS Cole getting bombed in that harbor. So this is something we should want to very much stay away from. And as I said, I, I'm fearful right now, given what I'm watching, that the president might be backing us into a situation where we have to get more involved on the ground in Yemen. And I just can't see a positive outcome for that. I agree with you. And to that point, let's play John Kirby here, Matt DeSantis, if we could cut number five. John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesperson, the actual national security spokesperson, who is really the face of this. I mean, it is amazing to me that the United States of America used military force last night. We have yet to hear from the commander in chief. Uh, the best we can do is John Kirby. Cut number five. We don't want to see an escalation. We don't want to see a broader conflict. In fact, everything President Biden has done since the beginning uh, of this uh, uh, of this last couple of months, since the beginning of the attacks on October 7th, has been designed to try to take the tensions down and to prevent any other actor from escalating or widening or deepening this conflict. All right. Now, this idea of escalation, it seems like this is one of those things where the United States of America says this. However, there are externalities here that we can't control. For example, I mean, right now, shipping costs are being driven up. Um, other other issues. I know you have to run, but last last question, Dr. Victoria Coates. Do you think this could lead to a, a broader escalation? What, what worries me most, Rich, is that ball isn't in our court anymore. The escalatory uh, decision-making is now with the Iranians. And if they decide that, you know, the Secretary of Defense is out to lunch or rather in, in the hospital and away without leave, the president's not making good decisions, then, you know, they, make, they might make a decision on escalation that they might not have made at least three years ago, but even six months ago. And so that's, that's the worry we have right now. Dr. Victoria Coates, always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great weekend. Go birds and enjoy your Fox News hit. We'll be watching. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. It's actually Fox Business, but uh, tune hey, in. Hey, Fox Business will tune in. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Go birds. The Rich Bye -bye. Show 
on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Listen, Cherry Hill Volvo Route 70 in Cherry Hill is the place you want to be. I'm telling you right now. So today, as a matter of fact, I had to bring the car in for its regularly scheduled maintenance. And this is great because uh, I got a courtesy car. Now, courtesy cars are fantastic. They are beautiful. They are well-maintained. And they're only used on very limited basis. So if you bring your car in for maintenance or if they do a valet service, for example, you'll have a courtesy car. Your chance right now to have an S60 Volvo courtesy car from Cherry Hill Volvo for less than $29,000 and less than 5,000 miles is right now at Cherry Hill Volvo. See, they have this renovation happening. Judas' father started the dealership years ago. Now they are ready to renovate the dealership because the demand has been outstanding. Thank you in large part to the, the Zeely Army for your support. And they're ready to make a big renovation. But in order to make room for all the construction equipment, they have to move some cars. These courtesy cars are are beautiful so this is your chance how about an s60 courtesy vehicle for less than twenty nine thousand dollars they're made in the united states of america they're planted south carolina it's american jobs american workers and less than five thousand miles that's basically brand new at a price that is nowhere near a new car price twenty nine thousand dollars Go see them today, please. You'll love the service. You'll love the experience. I brought the car in for its regularly scheduled maintenance, Bridget's car, the XC90. I take care of all the car maintenance in the family. It's my job. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like everybody has their job. Mine is car maintenance. So brought it in for its 10,000 mile maintenance. Talked to my buddy, Kellen Poole. He's the man. He took care of everything. I actually thought we had a tire problem, but he, I, I thought we had to replace a tire, but he said, no, no, no. We just had to recalibrate it. Took care of it for me. Done. Beautiful. But in the last 24 hours, I drove one of those S60 courtesy cars. They're beautiful. You may, in fact, buy the one that I drove. Who knows? All I know is that you'll love the technology, the safety, the performance of the S60, and you'll love the price. $29,000 for a beautiful car with less than 5,000 miles on it. You can't you can't beat that. So don't wait. Please, today, go to Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. It's where relationships matter and where they strive to prove that every single day. We broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. You will appreciate the incredible support that Judith, Yosef, and the entire team deliver every single day. So whether it's the S-Class or perhaps the XC90, the third row family car that Bridget has, which gets the kids safe and sound to all of our destinations, or maybe you want to do the Care by Volvo lease program that I'm in, where every five months you have the option to change to a different Volvo, keep the Volvo you have, or cancel the lease altogether. And one payment includes insurance, prepaid schedule maintenance, siren wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, and more you want to see them today at cherry hill volvo of all the volvo dealerships in all the world they are the ones that stand with us and sponsor our studio day in and day out cherry hill volvo on route 70 in cherry hill where relationships matter thanks for listening to the seoli show podcast from talk radio 1210 wphd and the odyssey app 
show. We have 30 minutes in on some talk coming up for you. I'll give you my preview of Iowa and how much all this matters. How, how much of the Middle East impacts the outcome in Iowa. And uh, Jimmy Fallon is on TV right now as we speak, pitching his show. He'll be here at 5.30 today to talk about his new show, launching this Saturday night, Fox News Saturday Night with Jimmy Fallon, 10 p.m. Saturday night. So we'll talk to him at 5.30 about that. What I love, though, is that in the big story of the today brought to you by dr mike veneri is that i had dental uh care today got a little lidocaine in the lip and i've gotten five thousand emails about sounding drunk and 4700 tweets but ironically enough and this is the thing is that i have been drunk on the air at the grand hotel of Cape may and matt DeSantis, no joke i've never gotten one tweet about that ever not one not not a single one like i have been drunken when i did the morning show i would start bloody mary's at like 6 a.m hammered by 9 a.m not a single tweet i would do the afternoon show which we do and they would start drinking like like chef david mills would bring me bourbon at three o'clock by five o'clock i don't even know who i'm talking to it's like wilford riley who's that (laughs) not a single tweet email nothing i get dental care today and all of a sudden now now it's overwhelming like are you hammered or how are you even on the air right now how is this legal yeah i mean you do sound funny right i mean that's what i'm saying like obviously when i'm drunk i can sound normal no when you're drunk nobody even notices i mean no i notice yeah i'm sitting next to you at kate at the cape may hotel uh while you're drinking but otherwise you sound perfectly normal right i mean like, literally you were next to me when chef david mills brought me a smoked old-fashioned which was an old-fashioned that was on fire and he brought with, with a glass dish that he picked up that and it was smoking cool. right that was very cool looking yeah and five seconds after drinking the first sip i was lit and nobody said a word <laughs> Today, I get some lidocaine. Everybody's like, oh, my God. It's called the FCC. Well, anyway, the big story of the day to you today is that I'm not drunk, and it's brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, for all of your emergency dental needs, which I needed, by the way, VenariaDental.com. He's the best. He's the great guy. He's my friend, and you should make your appointment today at VenariaDental.com. We have 30 – what's that? Oh, I thought you said something. We have 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up straight ahead for you, including the question, and this is a very, very key one, how much does the war in the Middle East, the escalation, affect the Iowa caucus? I'll give you my analysis of this and who it helps and who it hurts straight ahead. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. The Iowa caucus is on Monday. What about the fierce storm that is going to affect the state? We'll talk about that, how I think it helps Donald Trump. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here today. I had some dental work done today, so please do not judge the sound of my voice. I'm not drunk, I promise you. 
I had a um, little procedure done, but I'm good. I'm all good. And I promise that I am going to be here on Monday as well. I will not take off before primaries. This is a, a key uh, point of my political career and my radio career as well. There are certain times in a talk show host's life that matter. And the Friday before the Iowa caucus is one of them. I could have been in the hospital. I would have done the show from my hotel room. Which, by the way, Dr. Maz would have arranged at Cooper. No question about it um monday is the iowa caucus i will be on the air my kids are off from school i will still be on the air because you have to hear from me on the day of the iowa caucus my kids will be on spring break in april for a week and i'm still going to be on the air i'm not taking the week off because we have the pennsylvania primary i don't know if it'll be a real primary but i will be on the air nonetheless 855-839-1210 on twitter at rich zioli i know you you make jokes like hey friday come on you know what zioli's not working well here i am on a friday working after a dental procedure but the truth of the matter is, is that there are there are moments there are moments in life where you got to be on the air i believe this i really do believe this and here we are on friday I heard a uh, great uh, uh, comment from one of my friends. I have these friends. They're, they're wonderful people. I, I love them to death. I really do. But they are sort of my kooky friends. They're a little bit more t- conspiratorial than I can even stomach sometimes. And they said, oh, my God, Monday, the weather machine is at it. There's been a theory for years that the Central Intelligence Agency has a the ability to affect weather. I don't know if they do or not. I have no idea. How can anybody know at this point? Considering the fact that the CIA has not fully declassified the Kennedy files, and, and, and Dr. Fauci met with them prior to telling everybody that the virus did not come from the Wuhan lab. It came from a bat burger. A medium rare bat burger with a pangolin aioli and a side of raccoon dog fries or vice versa however you want to do it sometimes people like the raccoon dog aioli and the pangolin fries i don't know i'm not judging your choice in uh in, in side dishes i'm just saying that it's hard to believe anything these days so when people say the cia has the ability to affect weather i don't know if they do but i don't know if they don't so that's the problem right Now, a fierce winter storm is snarling Iowa. Is that done by the deep state because they have a weather machine and they can actually affect weather and hurt Donald Trump? If so, and I'm not saying they don't because I don't know. I have no idea to know the technology that the United States military has. But if that is their goal, all I can tell you is that they are making a huge mistake because Trump supporters will come out in Iowa despite the fact of the weather, despite whether or not there's a blizzard or it's super cold or not. By the way, just me and you, and um, not for the general public, I don't think we can actually affect the weather. I just don't. But that's for another show. <laughs> just saying. I, I, I don't think we can. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that, Matt? That's like a, a very bold pro, uh, proclamation. I, I just, I don't. I think there's a lot of things we can do. Like, could we have killed Kennedy? Open air convertible? Yeah, probably. Did we fake the moon landing? We could have. I'm not saying we did. I'm just saying, like, we could have. But to affect the weather, I think we would, in this day and age, I feel like we know that. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Well, I feel like we should ask Henry. If he doesn't believe in the conspiracy, then it's not real. Henry, right. yes or no? That is a great test of the Zioli show. Does Henry believe in the conspiracy theory? Yes or no? Henry, do you believe the Central Intelligence Agency has the ability to affect the weather? Uh, oh, that's okay. That's not where I thought we were going with this. Okay, uh, yeah. I, no, I, I am. I, no, no, no. I, I, thought, I thought you were talking about... I thought you were talking about climate change. Dial back. Slow it down and yeah. dial back. Where did you think we were going with this? Climate change. No, had nothing to do with climate change. What? Nothing whatsoever. Oh. I didn't even bring up so you, climate change. Matt, the same is, did I bring up climate change at all in my opening? Well, you said we, we have the ability to affect the weather, and I thought you were talking about, like, greenhouse gas emissions. No, I'm saying, not paying like, attention. the weather on a Thursday, because people in D.C. want to get home early to see their kids or go shopping. I think they can do it. I don't think, I don't think they would do no. it for something as mundane and simple as that. All right, what about the Iowa caucus? Yeah, totally, sure. <laughs> Why not? All right. <laughs> Do you? Well, that didn't go as planned. I thought he would just give a quick no and we could move on. No, I, I believe that we have the technology to manipulate weather. All right. Do you agree with Henry? We can manipulate weather. 855 no. 839 no. What? I, I think it exists. I Why not? It. No. I, all right. Call in and voice your opinion. All right, so I have friends who totally agree with you, by the way. They completely agree that we can manipulate the weather. But my point is this. If we're going to do that in Iowa, why would you do it considering the fact that if there's bad weather, only Trump supporters are going to turn out? Right? No, it makes no sense to me, uh, but I also don't think that anyone can control the weather, so I mean, I'm have, the wrong person to ask. Of all these steps they've taken in the past, you know, like, why, why would they get this step right? Why would they think, you know, uh, maybe I'm not making enough sense. Like, every step they've taken to kind of deter Trump voters and deter Trump, it hasn't worked, right? It's only, like, made him stronger in, in a sense. All right, so I had a dental procedure today, and I, I sound a little bit slurring. You have not had a dental procedure, and you're making no sense whatsoever. No, I feel like so. I am. So, right, we, I feel like you talked about how, like, every time they charge some, Trump with something, they do something to Trump, it only makes him and his, like, base stronger, correct? Right. Yes, yes. So isn't this just another thing in that long line of, like, oh, we're going to get him this time, and it ends up backfiring? All right, so the, the theory is, if I understand this correctly, they manipulate the weather thinking they're hurting trump but it only helps trump correct so then that goes to my larger theory which is that the democrats still don't understand that making trump the nominee is a dangerous game that they're playing right correct all right we agree yeah we agree on that point matt desantis once again matt desantis traitorous you are in the wrong on this issue no i'm not i'm in the right the government can't control the weather oh would you google that no i didn't google it it's common sense if they could control the weather they would weaponize it against uh enemies not and, and internally they say they haven't well, they can't make it they, obvious yeah. wait, wait 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 if they could then why didn't they just make it rain on the houthis that's my point. Because Everybody they want knows rain? the Houthis hate rain. We know this. <laughs> the Houthis hate the rain. Right? <laughs> they melt like the Wicked Witch of the West and the Witch Basically, of Oz. Basically, yeah. They're like, oh my God, it's water. Up. They're like gremlins. They just, it doesn't work out well for them. You know? I, I don't know. I feel like out in the desert, they'd welcome it. 
Well, that's true. Maybe they would refuel them. Is basically what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. You have to use a blizzard. Okay, All but right. that, that you can't do that. Sorry, um, I didn't know the rules. By the way, a protester was tackled a, 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 at a DeSantis event in Iowa today. I'm not slurring because I'm drunk. I'm slurring because I had a dental procedure done. Gosh, I have to feel like I've got to qualify this or quantify this. So quantify is math. Qualify this every five seconds because I'm getting so many tweets right now. And it's really annoying. But I could have just called out today. But I did not. I'm here. I'm right here. I'm, I'm live and I'm talking about the Constitution, the War Powers Act, and Thomas Jefferson the Barbary Pirates. Who could do that if they're drunk is my question. Who? I don't know, but I do like that we've had to start every segment with, I'm not drunk, I just had a dental procedure. But no, then, but it just it frustrates me, right? Well, I, I don't know if you're helping your case because we just spent 15 minutes talking about whether the CIA can control the weather patterns. Plus, yeah, plus the lady doth protest too much. No, that that is, um, <laughs> the lady doth protest too much. Methinks we talked me about thinks. this the other day. Remember? Yeah, I'm just Which, saying. If I was drunk, how could I remember that? A, we talked about it, and B, that that is the actual Shakespearean quote. Right. Good memory, I guess. But you don't have that if you're drunk, Henry. That's my point. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I still remember things fine when I'm after a couple of drinks. Oh, fine. You know what? You are not helping my cause at all here. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm... Henry has destroyed this segment. <laughs> you ask me at a every question. Turn. You, you invite me in. I. At every turn. I'm just making destroyed. myself at home here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Why don't we just go to an audio uh, cut, shall we? Why don't we do that instead? It might might help us. It might help all of us. Next time I get a dental procedure, Opelka, if you're listening, and I know you are, you are definitely being called up. Oh, and I'm having lunch with him on Tuesday because for two reasons. Number one, he owes me a bottle of Eagle Rare bourbon. Technically speaking, I owe him $100 for it. But uh, number two is that Tuesdays are the day to show up at Odyssey. Am I right? Everybody's in the office on Tuesday. The salespeople are there. Everybody's there. So now that we have to pay for parking, the $8 that I have to pay (laughs) is justified by the fact that I can be around salespeople. Right? Yes. Yeah, Tuesday's like the only day anybody is here, really. Yeah, Tuesday's the day. Friday is not the day to be in studio, which is helpful, considering the fact that since I had a dental procedure, (laughs) I could not be in studio. Now, since I'm not in studio today, this is the first day of my home office. This is the inaugural edition of it. Can you tell the difference? No, I think it sounds like you are in studio. Henry, what do you think? No, I can tell. How can you tell? It it just sounds different. It's you want me to get into the nitty gritty of it? Like, go ahead. You go sound for a little over modulated at this point. Well, then why don't you adjust that so we can <laughs> fix that? Because I don't think it's a big issue. I just you know your well, sounds. Well, fine. I got I got the keyboard right here. Let's adjust it. How do you want me to do it? Come on, let's do it right now. Let's do it. Here we go. I'm going to adjust my microphone levels. This is down. Oh, this is up. Good. Up down. Up down. Up down. What do you like? Up, down, something up, down. in the middle. Yeah, up. No, up is the way to go. All right, we're it's up. Just, yeah. This is all the way up. Go yeah, ahead. that's fine. Tommy McDonald, if you're listening, we need your help. Uh, this is up all the way. You sound. You're telling me it's over modulated. I, I just think you you sound a little too hot. Yeah. 
All right, let me lower it. So yesterday I was in studio and Tommy, who built my office, said you sounded a bit tinny in the studio. I mean, he would he have thought I better- was home. Oh, really? Yeah. He would have the better ear for it. He, he's got all the words. Well, you are in the, like, literally you're at the board. You're controlling everything and you're telling me that I sound overmodulated. So what does that mean? It just sounds like you're coming at, like if you're, you were talking really close to the mic. All right, I'll step back. But How I, about I this? yeah, I think your levels are fine. You sound like from a volume wise, you're fine. All right. How about this? Better? Yeah, it's better. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, no, this is what we have to do to test the, uh, the home studio. We have to do it on air. Well, we can do it off air, but we don't plan anything on this show. Friday. We never have. So how about now? Yeah, you're good. How about now? <laughs> no, that didn't sound as good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't how know. about now? That sounds too much. No. no. no Hello, point. ladies. How are you? How about, all right. How about now? <laughs> I like the last one. All right, ladies. How are you tonight? How about right here? Perfect. That good? sounds good to me. Yeah. Henry? It'll play. Oh, you know what, Henry? You are such a snob when it comes to the... You are what we call an audiophile. And this is what I mean by that. You are somebody who has a distinct ear for the audio qualities, which I appreciate. I do. Somebody on the show has to. Matt to sink the traitorous is too obsessed with Harvard and Johns Hopkins and everything else. But you have an ear for this stuff. So do you like this level where the microphone is right now? Yeah, that sounds better. You like it? Yes. All right, good. The inaugural edition of the home studio. Let me explain the home studio for you right now. I have two TVs going on right now. I have um, plenty of foam. Do you hear the foam, the foam insulation? Do I hear the foam? No. No, exactly. Courtesy of USA Insulation. They insulated the studio. Does it not sound like an acoustic masterpiece? There's no echo whatsoever. Beautiful. Thank you. Well done. Now, the, the only problem is that I did have a flood in the studio this morning. However, Lou Vargo and his dad, Lou Vargo Sr. from Garden State Earthworks, came, came to the house today, and they're going to address the problem by putting in drains to drain the water out because you don't want to flood in your home studio for several reasons. Number one, you don't want to float away. Number two, you don't want the water to, um, you know electrocute all of your fancy acoustical equipment right well that'd be bad yeah we don't want that'd that be bad ideally. so garden state River, or garden state earthworks will take care of that for you let's see um i got some tweets coming in michael pelka who is listening right now says home studio sounds better than the last one and eight bucks for parking where did you find that deal Matt DeSaint de Traitorous found that deal on 2400 Chestnut Street. We should not give that away. Yeah, I dump need it. that spot. Actually, Henry, dump that so no one knows never where. Park on, never park on that street that Rich just mentioned. I'm not even going to say right. it again because I, I don't want people to know. Now, when Jimmy Fallon joins us at 530, I'm going to ask him, Jimmy, do you have the same problem I do? Parking, or do you, since they're putting up billboards of your face in Times Square, have a better time figuring that out? Is my question. You think Fox News springs for the parking? Here's what I know when I go on Fox News, Matt, which was um, the last time was on New Year's Day. And it could have been Monday night, too, on Jesse Waters. They offer a studio, a driver, and a parking space. 
Wow. Odyssey says if you'd like to come to work every day, you have to actually be the valet. <laughs> so we have to I I have to stand outside and take people's cars and hope for tips. <laughs> True story, no joke, folks. No joke. <laughs> Now people are asking, how drunk is my staff? So how drunk are you two in the studio is the question. Hey, I didn't do anything. Henry, I don't know. I'm hammered. <laughs> You're hammered. Henry's not drunk. He's just weird. I, I thought the ride down here was getting a little boring, so a couple shots of tequila. <laughs> Why not, right? Yeah. The best part is that in all the years I've been doing this show, there have been two times I've been on the air after a medical procedure. The first time was when Opelka was hosting. I got out of the hospital on a Monday, and Mike was hosting, and I was lit. I mean, lit beyond belief. I had had anesthesia and pain meds, and I came home from the hospital that day, and to this day, I do not remember the conversation on the air with Michael Pelka. So I, he says to me, he says, please call into the show. Let everybody know how you're doing. So I did. I called him the show. I was like, hey, how, you know, how are you? I don't remember to this day the conversation. I was so incredibly medicated. Yeah, I remember. And then there's... What's, you remember that day? Because I, call, I called you, and I was like, hey, Rich, what's up? And you had no idea who I was. Yeah, I was like, who's this? <laughs> like, it's Henry. I'm like, Henry who? Henry the guy, give me liberty or death, that guy? <laughs> like, no, it's Henry Machette, your producer. I'm like, oh, right, yeah, you. Uh, so... I got in the other day. This day, the, but nobody called me out. Not a single person on social media said Zioli sounds hammered. Today, I get a I get a dental procedure done. I have had 575 tweets at least. People going Zioli's hammered. He should not be on the air. What is happening right now? What's going on? It's funny how these things work out. All I can tell you is this. I wish right now in this moment, as the pain is starting to actually set in and the pain meds are wearing off, that I have the ability to have the same drugs I had when I left Cooper that Monday and called Michael Pelka. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's two reasons as to why you're getting called out so much more today, though. Go ahead. One, I think it's the slurring. Like, whatever's messed up with your lip, it's not helping. Right. And then two, you primed the audience uh, to let everyone know that you were having surgery, that you'd be out, that you'd be recovering for, you know, days or weeks. Uh, you didn't do that this time. You just showed, right, so you just just came showed, on the air. You just came on the air, slurring. just slurring away. Yeah. But I didn't have it. It was, a, it was an emergency procedure, so I didn't have the ability to tell everybody, yeah. hey, like, hey, tomorrow when you hear me on the air, I'm going to be slurring for the first 90 minutes of the show <laughs> because I had a dental procedure. Right. It might be my imagination, or perhaps it's wishful thinking, but it does seem as though the slurs aren't quite as bad as they were at 3.05. Because I had the procedure at like 2 o'clock. That's the reason. It wears off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think you're sounding better. Although well, that good. last sentence didn't sound so great. I may have jinxed it. Well, it's possible, too. Uh, <laughs> well done, DeSantis. Well Sorry. done. I'll, I'll take the blame. You, like the Johns Hopkins diversity director, are walking back your comments now. <laughs> hey, I'm glad they walked them back. 
Yeah, so basically, I'm a person of privilege, and so is every person who's white and male and cisgender, able by oh, Opelka, he's listening right now. Don't yell at me. That's not my term, cisgender, able-bodied, and um, oh, then my my favorite uh, point of that was owning class. If you're in the owning class, (laughs) meaning you own something, what if I choose to rent? And these high interest rates because of Joe Biden, I choose to rent. Am I am I a person of privilege or no? Not according to her definition. You're in the clear. I guess not, right? But the thing about it is that I have a lot of friends who have more money than I do because they're actually in careers that are not radio. And they <laughs> and they are renting. They're not buying right now because of the economy. So the owning class notion, I would think probably in this day and age, applies more to people of the lower to middle class than it does to the upper class because the upper class has the means to rent because rental prices right now are incredibly high. As there's an inventory shortage in real estate for for properties to buy, there are a lot of people right now who are saying, "I'll just rent," you know. But if you're if if there's a shortage of like anything else in the economy, if the supply of houses to buy is low and the demand is high, well, the supply is going to be very, very, very expensive, and so people are turning around saying, "I'll rent." But consequently, the rental prices are higher than they've ever been. So if you've got means right now, you can rent a place, and it won't make a dent in you because you know it's short term and you're probably paying what you would pay in interest for something but the amortization does not apply because let's face it you're not amortizing over a 30-year period and so people say i'll rent so you're not the owning class however you have more money than god how are you not a person of privilege this is why johns hopkins has walked back now and apologized for the diversity director even though the diversity director will keep her job we would not however if we said these things we would not the diversity director keeps her job the pentagon press secretary is now saying that the strikes against the houthis will continue here is lieutenant colonel davis And what all this means in terms of what the United States of America may be facing as we continue down this road, cut number one. I I, I tell you, Laura, I'm really concerned on a number of fronts. Number one, I want to know what's the what's the plan here? What, What is the expectation? What is the end state? Where are we trying to go with this? Because if we think that firing a few missiles is going to cow the Houthis and they're going to stop doing what they're going to do and they're going to be deterred, I mean, that should be eliminated after we've been seeing the failure of all these strikes to eliminate, uh, to uh, deter the Iran-backed groups against our troops in Iraq and in Syria and elsewhere. And we've already taken out their boats. That's not going to do it. This has every chance to escalate to a higher level because the Houthis have expressly said if we attack them on their territory, they're going to start attacking Americans and American interest in the region. What is our plan for that? And and look, this is a potential strike that could draw us into a war. And I think the president owes it to the American people to explain what he's doing to make sure we (laughs) want to go into a war. I don't. But I'd like to hear from the White House on exactly what the plan is and how this follows American law and the Constitution, which it doesn't. Yeah. So this is part of the reason why we're all very, very nervous. Now, how does this play in Iowa on Monday? 
My question is, does this have an effect? I think it does. And when I get back, I'll give you my analysis and how all of this affects the Iowa caucus on Monday. Do the attacks or the strikes against the Houthis in Yemen, does this help or hurt Donald Trump? Does this help or hurt Nikki Haley going into the crucial Iowa caucus? And if it does help Nikki Haley, what does this mean for Ron DeSantis on Monday? Monday night. All this for you is straight ahead. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Coming right back. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. She is the vice president of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. She is also the former deputy national security advisor to President Donald Trump. And it's a pleasure to welcome Philadelphia's own Dr. Victoria Coates, although I do have a bone to pick with you. Let me put her up here. What did I do now, Rich? Well, Monday night, you and I were together. We talked about William Penn, and I was scheduled that night to go on Jesse Waters' primetime on Fox News. We talked about William Penn, and our our interview was so impactful that Governor Josh Shapiro, we called him out. You you brought him up. We called him out. I read his tweets on the air. So impactful that within minutes of the interview concluding, he tweeted out that he contacted the National Park Service and William Penn was staying. And then, driving home, to get a, uh, a suit and tie on, you know, to go on Jesse Waters primetime. I got a call from his producer saying, listen, uh, Josh Shapiro has canceled the canceling of William Penn, so there's no segment tonight. Go home and enjoy your night. So I feel like if you had not come on the show Monday <laughs> and been so forceful, um, I would have been in Fox News Monday night. Well, I'm sorry about that, but I, I'm sure we're going to have another opportunity because uh, I think Representative Perry and I are actually going to keep this going a little bit, and we're, we've written an op-ed it's in, in the in the process of getting published right now, pointing out why this was so egregious and recommending that Congress, uh, in the next uh, appropriations vehicle that's logical for the National Park Service, ensure that we have uh, funding to rehab Welcome Park, which I think everybody agrees is necessary, but very explicitly uh, prohibiting any of that funding to be used to move any of the William Penn materials, including the the literature and that kind of thing. So we can make it explicit that that we're not going to we're not going to put up with this. And in the course of that, uh, since I do have a Ph.D. in art history, I was thinking about that particular statue of William Penn, which is a miniature of the one up on top of City Hall, which is 37 feet high and still the tallest statue on top of a building in the world. So, you know, he's our symbol, but he's also pretty distant and towering. And at Welcome Park, you have a much more almost domestic experience with the miniature version. You can get up close and personal with it, see all of its details. That's really a unique experience for Philadelphia. And so I think from an art historical perspective, it would be a sad loss as well as from a historical perspective. So we're going to try to take some steps to ensure it's protected. Good. I'm happy to hear that. But you have not addressed the fundamental problem, which is that I lost out on being on Jesse Waters prime time because you were so forceful in condemning the cancellation of William Penn. 
Well, we'll we'll get in touch with Jesse and his people and tell him there are lots of reasons to have his fellow Philadelphians on the show. Uh, it's not just the William Penn thing. All right, fair enough, because as always, I try to make it all about me. Dr. Victoria Coates, <laughs> it's great to have you. Before we get into the actual stuff about World War III, let's talk about the Eagles game Monday night, because I think that is uh, more of a disaster than what's going on in the Middle East. Um, I'm really worried about how we're going to do against Tampa Bay Monday night in Tampa, by the way. Yeah, well, at least it'll be warm. Uh, I'm looking at what's going to be going down this weekend in uh, Kansas City and Buffalo. I think at least we'll have decent conditions. It's it's really concerning. The meltdown of the team is is pretty profound, and you know we've all seen this happen before when you know when the wheels just suddenly come off, and it's usually some problem you know we in the fan base don't know about, but you can smell it as it's happening. And so, you know, maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of the hat, maybe, you know, sleigh being back, I'll give them a, a jolt. Um, but it's, it's looking like a kind of a, a sad end to a, to a very disappointing season. Yeah, and what a shame, too. We started off on such a high note, and for us to go from that to here we are right now at this moment, so many disappointed people. And this is the problem, right? I mean, we get so excited at the start of the season with the Eagles. We get so bummed out at the start of the season with the Phillies. And this is kind of falling on the opposite ends here, where the end of the Philly season, we were so fired up. The end of the Eagles season now, we're so depressed. And by the way, I had dental work done today, so part of my... uh, speech i i'm sorry about that but i did have a big gigantic shot of lidocaine in my lip um it's a bummer right i mean we were really excited at the start of this if i'm nick sirianni right now i'm thinking to myself uh south jersey has high property taxes it's not the worst thing if i lose my job i think you know nick sirianni um jeffrey Lurie's not going to put up with this too long is he I, I don't think so. And everyone's been remarking on the fact that some pretty extraordinary coaches have suddenly become available in the last couple of days. And if you're Jeffrey Laurie and Howard Roseman and you're looking at this team, which does have championship potential, but it's not going to be forever. I mean, do we get Kelsey for another year? He was just named first string uh Pro Bowl again today for the sixth time, which he's now in a category with only 55 other players who have ever held that six times. And so, you know, we have this exceptional talent still at the top of his game, still the best in the game, but how long? So can you waste another year like this if you're not confident in Sirianni? And that's the question they're going to have to answer. You know, and it means, it means a great deal to the city. It's, you know, obviously it's the excitement and the fun, that we all enjoy. But then, I mean, those playoff games for the Eagles are a moneymaker. You think about all of the, the commerce and tourism uh, that, that that supports, you know, it's, it's not just Jeff's bottom line that we're talking about here. And so when you lose out on all those playoff games, even if we go this year, we're not going to get a playoff game. And that's a shame. And that's where, you know, the Phillies, I think, really paid the city back with a number of playoff games, both both last year and then this season. Uh, and we can hope for more to come. But that's that's why these teams are, you know, bottom line, important to us uh, on top of all the fun that they bring us when they're not behaving this way. 
All right, let's turn to the actual reason why we're on the show today. As much as I love your sports analysis, and it is outstanding, Dr. Victoria Coates is, of course, the vice president at the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, last night, a major night where the United States of America responded against the Iranian-backed Houthis for attacking our military installations, our troops, and our shipping channels as well. Now, two questions for you, number one. Number one. Um, was this inconsistent with consistent with the War Powers Act? And number two, do you think there is the potential for escalation outside of this that could result in potentially a larger global conflict? And I do just real quick, I do appreciate the opportunity to talk about art and sports uh, because all of my other topics are so depressing. But in, in <laughs> Usually people say the opposite. Like, I'm glad to talk about World War III because Philadelphia sports are so depressing. But thank you for saying that. Uh, but, you know, this is this is a really interesting case. Um, the argument the administration is making is that they because of the attacks on U.S. Uh, Navy vessels out of Yemen, that they had Article Two authorities to to attack these these sites in Yemen. But what concerns me is the president apparently made this decision on Tuesday, uh, and so we had forty eight hours. Congress was in session, and so there is no reason they couldn't. I mean, they they informed Congress, but they you, you do that like three minutes before you strike. Uh, so. The, the, there was no consultation, which is what is, is called for here. And there's no reason they shouldn't have consulted, especially because they know, you know, there are strict constitutionalists on the right who have deep concerns about this. And obviously their base is freaking out now uh, about about the action. So it, it's very concerning to me. Well, they'll have to put out a legal justification a formal justification, and I'm looking forward to reading that to see where they're drawing their authorities, if it is just straight Article 2 of the Constitution or if they're trying to rely on the 2001 authorization, which would be require some pretty serious intellectual gymnastics because that, that authorization does not uh, give you permission to attack anything Iranian-related. It's all al-Qaeda, that kind of thing. Well, I guess the question would be, and this is purely playing devil's advocate here, because I'm a huge uh, supporter of the Constitution, and I, I question this as well. Um, what about the idea that if the president had gone to Congress and asked for an authorization, it would have signaled to them that something was coming, and um, for that reason, there was a national security imperative to not do that? They will almost certainly argue that, and it is a concern. Uh, but that's also the burden that is placed upon them by our free system. He's not a king, um, and so he doesn't get unilateral decision-making. And it's interesting, I think, back to the 2013 time frame when we had Obama's red line. It was right when I had first gotten to the Senate working with Senator Cruz, and, and the red line was crossed in August. The Assad regime used chemical weapons, and then there was this kind of tizzy of how the president would respond and whether he would ask for authorization from Congress. And in the end, because Senator Cruz was on armed services at the time, the White House actually sent the Armed Services Committee a message saying, what will you authorize? And we said, that's not our job. Right. You know, we, don't, we don't know. <laughs> 
but that's that's how how kind of convoluted this got. And then then Obama continues to blame Senator Cruz to this day by name for not permitting him to more forcefully respond. And Ted's point was, you know, I might do more. I don't. He didn't like John Kerry's pinprick strike, you know, sending a message. That's not the job of our armed forces. And I think that's the case with this Yemen operation as well. They're being used as a messaging vehicle, not as a lethal military force, which is what they are. All right. So now let's turn to the question of escalation, Dr. Victoria Coates. Does this have the effect of potential escalation? How how much does Iran, I know they back the Houthis, but how much do they care? And how much does Yemen have an impact in the entire Middle East region in terms of the potential for escalation? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Iranians don't care how many Houthi die. They are utterly expendable to them, as are Hamas, as are Hezbollah, as are the Palestinian people writ large. So that's why they're behaving as they are. But in in terms of Yemen, that's where I have a problem with this, because inadvertently, uh, the president might be backing himself into a situation where you wind up with actual boots on the ground in Yemen, which nobody wants. We've seen what it did to the Saudis and the Emiratis. We've seen the millions of people in the streets of Yemen today protesting against the United States. We are not going to be greeted as liberators. And I think by focusing on Yemen and not taking decisive action, I, unfortunately, I think we're, we're inviting escalation uh, from the Houthi because, you know, they, they consider this just, you know, as I said, a minor pinprick. And it was signaled ahead of time so they could move people. They probably moved assets. Uh, and the other thing they see very clearly is that the French, the Italians, and the Spanish did not participate in this. So this vaunted Operation uh, Prosperity Guardian, which is supposed to be this international, if you believe Politico, this international message to the Houthi that they're not, you know, that, that the world is against them. It's hardly a united front. All right, so Yemen writ large, as we as we talk about this, Yemen, t- tell us about this and what is their impact in the Middle East? I mean, we think about Iran. Obviously, Iran is a major, major player. We're nervous about conflict with Iran. We've had comments from politicians in the past saying, hey, look, you know, we, we have to either A, go to war with Iran, or B, we have to do everything in our power to avoid war with Iran. But Yemen is not a country we talk about a lot. Yemen exists there in this axis, but it does not be one of those things where people talk about it on the radar. Like, if we, if we were in a bar and people said, hey, Iran, people would either have an opinion of, yeah, yeah, you know, like John McCain, bomb, 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 Iran, or, hey, listen, <laughs> this will be catastrophic. How does Yemen play in all of this, Dr. Victoria Coates? Yeah, I may have told you this before, but I keep thinking back to this NSC meeting I was chairing, or not NSC, uh, uh, PCC for the NSC staff meeting I was chairing on Yemen during the administration. And my opening line to the assembled horde was, most Americans can't find Yemen on a map. Our job is to keep it that way. But that, I mean, this should not be a major issue for the American people. It is a nasty, intractable internal civil war that's been going on there for years. We really don't have a dog in the fight besides needing to get through uh, the Babel Mande Strait to get into the Red Sea. You know, we all remember, or those of us of a certain age remember the USS Cole getting bombed in that harbor. 
So this is something we should want to very much stay away from. And as I said, I'm fearful right now, given what I'm watching, that the president might be backing us into a situation where we have to get more involved on the ground in Yemen. And I just can't see a positive outcome for that. I agree with you. And to that point, let's play John Kirby here, Matt DeSantis, if we could cut number five. John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesperson, the actual national security spokesperson, who is really the face of this. I mean, it is amazing to me that the United States of America used military force last night. We have yet to hear from the commander in chief. Uh, The best we can do is John Kirby. Cut number five. We don't want to see an escalation. We don't want to see a broader conflict. In fact, everything President Biden has done since the beginning. Beginning uh, of this uh, uh, of this last couple of months, since the beginning of the attacks on October seventh, has been designed to try to take the tensions down and to prevent any other actor from escalating or widening or deepening this conflict. All right, now this idea of escalation—it seems like this is one of those things where the United States of America says this. However, there are externalities here that we can't control. For example, I mean, right now, shipping costs are being driven up. Um, other other issues. I know you have to run, but last last question, Dr. Victoria Coates: Do you think this could lead to a, gro- a broader escalation? The, what What worries me most, Rich, is that ball isn't in our court anymore. The escalatory uh, decision-making is now with the Iranians. And if they decide that, you know, the Secretary of Defense is out to lunch or rather in in the hospital and away without leave, the president's not making good decisions, then, you know, they they might make a decision on escalation that they might not have made at least three years ago, but even six months ago. And so that's, that's the worry we have right now. Dr. Victoria Coates, always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great weekend. Go Birds and enjoy your Fox News hit. We'll be watching. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. It's actually Fox Business, but uh, tune hey, in. Hey, Fox Business will tune in. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Go Birds. The Rich Cioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Listen, Cherry Hill Volvo Route 70 in Cherry Hill is the place you want to be. I'm telling you right now. So today, as a matter of fact, I had to bring the car in for its regularly scheduled maintenance, and this is great because uh, I got a courtesy car. Now, courtesy cars are fantastic. They are beautiful. They are well-maintained, and they're only used on very limited basis. So if you bring your car in for maintenance or if they do a valet service, for example, you'll have a courtesy car. Your chance right now to have an S60 Volvo courtesy car from Cherry Hill Volvo for less than $29,000 and less than 5,000 miles is right now at Cherry Hill Volvo. See, they have this renovation happening. Judas' father started the dealership years ago. Now they are ready to renovate the dealership because the demand has been outstanding. Thank you in large part to the, the Zeely Army for your support. And they're ready to make a big renovation. But in order to to make room for all the construction equipment they have to move some cars these courtesy cars are beautiful so this is your chance how about an s60 courtesy vehicle for less than twenty nine thousand dollars they're made in the united states of america they're planted south carolina it's american jobs american workers and less than 5,000 miles. That's basically brand new. 
at a price that is nowhere near a new car price, $29,000. Go see them today, please. You'll love the service. You'll love the experience. I brought the car in for its regularly scheduled maintenance, Bridget's car, the XC90. I take care of all the car maintenance in the family. It's my job. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like everybody has their job. Mine is car maintenance. So, Brought it in for its 10,000-mile maintenance. Talked to my buddy, Kellen Poole. He's the man. He took care of everything. I actually thought we had a tire problem, but he, I, I, I thought we had to replace a tire. But he said, no, no, no. We just had to recalibrate it. Took care of it for me. Done. Beautiful. But in the last 24 hours, I drove one of those S60 courtesy cars. They're beautiful. You may, in fact, buy the one that I drove. Who knows? All I know is that you'll love the technology, the safety, the performance of the S60, and you'll love the price. $29,000 for a beautiful car with less than 5,000 miles on it. You can't you can't beat that. So don't wait. Please, today, go to Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. It's where relationships matter and where they strive to prove that every single day. We broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. You will appreciate the incredible support that Judith, Yosef, and the entire team deliver every single day. So whether it's the S-Class or perhaps the XC90, the third row family car that Bridget has, which gets the kids safe and sound to all of our destinations, or maybe you want to do the Care by Volvo lease program that I'm in, where every five months you have the option to change to a different Volvo, keep the Volvo you have, or cancel the lease altogether. And one payment includes insurance, prepaid schedule maintenance, tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, and more you want to see them today at sherry hill volvo of all the volvo dealerships in all the world they are the ones that stand with us and sponsor our studio day in and day out sherry hill volvo on route 70 in sherry hill where relationships matter thanks for listening to the seoli show podcast from talk radio 1210 wpht and the odyssey app so we have 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up for you. I'll give you my preview of Iowa and how much all this matters, how, how much the Middle East impacts the outcome in Iowa. And uh, Jimmy Fallon is on TV right now as we speak, pitching his show. He'll be here at 530 today to talk about his new show, launching this Saturday night, Fox News Saturday Night with Jimmy Fallon, 10 p.m. Saturday night. So we'll talk to him at 530 about that. What I love, though, is that in the big story of the today brought to you by dr mike venary is that i had dental uh care today got a little lidocaine in the lip and i've gotten five thousand emails about sounding drunk and 4700 tweets but ironically enough and this is the thing is that i have been drunk on the air at the grand hotel of cape may and matt DeSantis, no joke i've never gotten one tweet about that ever not one not not a single one like i have been drunk in when i did the morning show i would start bloody mary's at like 6 a.m hammered by 9 a.m not a single tweet i would do the afternoon show which we do and they would start drinking like like chef david mills would bring me bourbon at three o'clock by five o'clock i don't even know who i'm talking to it's like wilford riley who's that (laughs) not a single tweet email nothing i get dental care today and all of a sudden now now it's overwhelming like are you hammered or how are you even on the air right now how is this legal <laughs> yeah i mean you do sound funny 
Right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, obviously, when I'm drunk, I can sound normal. No, when you're drunk, nobody even notices. I mean, no I know notices. Because, yeah, I'm sitting next to you at Kate, at the Cape May Hotel uh, <laughs> while you're drinking, but otherwise, you sound perfectly normal. Right. I mean, I, literally, you were next to me when Chef David Mills brought me a smoked old-fashioned, which was an old-fashioned that was on fire, and he brought with, with a glass dish that he picked up, that and it was smoking, cool. right? It was very cool looking, yeah. And five seconds after drinking the first sip, I was lit, and nobody said a word. <laughs> Today, I get some lidocaine. Everybody's like, oh, my God. It's called the FCC. Well, anyway, the big story of the day to you today is that I'm not drunk, and it's brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, for all of your emergency dental needs, which I needed, by the way, VenariaDental.com. He's the best. He's the great guy. He is my friend, and you should make your appointment today at VenariaDental.com. We have 30, what's that? Oh, I thought you said something. We have 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up straight ahead for you, including the question, and this is a very, very key one, how much does the war in the Middle East, the escalation, affect the Iowa caucus? I'll give you my analysis of this and who it helps and who it hurts straight ahead. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli vegetables tonight. I hope you're having pizza tonight because it is Friday after all. But maybe you're having vegetable topping, which is totally fine and appropriate as long as it's not a fruit. And you know which fruit I mean. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. It's Friday night. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We made it through the week. Isn't that a good feeling? I'll tell you what. It feels good, doesn't it? It feels really, really good. Uh, fat Jerry, excuse me, the penguin Jerry Nadler. I don't want to be rude. And uh, we need immigrants in this country. Mm. Forget the fact that the farm, that our, our, our vegetables would rot in the ground if, it weren't, if they weren't being picked by many immigrants, many illegal immigrants. Mm. The fact is that the birth rate in this country is way below replacement level, which means our population is going to start shrinking. And the ratio of people on Social Security and Medicare is going to increase relative to the number of people supporting them. Ah. And we need immigrants in this country. Forget the fact that... We need immigrants in this country. Look, uh, nobody's disputing the fact that we may need immigrants in this country. I think the question is illegal immigrants. And really what I think the truth is of what Fat Jack, Penguin Jerry Neller is saying there is that eventually these people have to become citizens. Tax-paying citizens so that they can pay for Social Security and Medicare. That's what I got from that. What did you get from that? That's what I got. I think he's, again, he's saying the quiet part out loud. Saying the quiet part out loud. No doubt about it. And this is the problem. And I... Yeah, yeah I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Oh, uh, Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah, I agree, too. Uh, the problem is that <clears throat> Democrats now are 
this dichotomy that exists on the local level versus the national level and the local level being that they're all in on saying no <laughs> and the national level that they're all in on, on saying yes to open borders. And that's really the dichotomy that exists as we head into what is going to be another crazy weekend as we're all facing potentially now world war three, uh, fun times, right? And fun times as millions fill the streets in Yemen, as Houthi rebels promise revenge against the U S after 73 strikes hit Yemen regions, according killing five people, the American and British enemy bears full responsibility for this criminal aggression. How much is this going to change things when it comes to the New Hampshire primary? That's what I want to know. How much is this going to change things? Former president Donald Trump came out last night and criticized Joe Biden for the airstrike in Yemen. This is what he had to say. Crooked Joe Biden is not only dumb and incompetent, I believe that he has gone mad, a stark raving lunatic with his horrible and country-threatening environmental open borders and DOJ FBI weaponization policies. He is a mental catastrophe that is leading our country to hell. We'll end up in World War III because of this man and for no reason whatsoever. We'll end up in World War III because of this man. Yet another war started by Biden. They said I would cause a World War III. A complete madman is using the War Powers Act against Yemen with F-22 jets and Tomahawk missiles. Why? I will end all wars in just a short time, the former president said. I am also disappointed that the United States and the United Kingdom bombed Yemen under the orders of Joe Biden. I've never seen Democrats disagree with a decision so much. Even Democrat Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib slammed Joe Biden for the airstrikes. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's um, very telling as we head into Iowa and you look at the big lead that Donald Trump has as the the, the congressional Republicans now are fighting. I mean, Trump's at 54 percent going into Iowa this weekend. And Haley's in the in the low twenties. And everybody's talking about the weather, the weather being cold. I'll tell you something right now. Trump supporters come out. They, no matter what, they come out. They come out in the cold. You think it's gonna be cold? It may be. It's freaking Iowa in January. <laughs> it's just kind of the way it is. I've been in Iowa in January before. It gets really cold. But Trump supporters are diehard. They will come out. And and there's an anti-Trump element that will come out too. But the people that are kind of marginal or on the fence or really don't care, they're staying home. You know what I mean? So it's, I think that's that's advantage Trump with Iowa. And then the only question is how long until DeSantis drops out of the race? Is it is it right? Is it Monday night? Does he wait till Tuesday? If he loses badly in Iowa and Nikki Haley comes in a strong second and he knows he's going to get swamped in New Hampshire, I think the best strategy for him. From a purely political strategy, if, if, he's not asking, but if I were, if he were to ask me, I'd tell him, here's what you do. Here, here's your, here's your strategy. Don't pull a Chris Christie. Don't uh, self-emolulate yourself and lose any ability to play kingmaker here. Get out. You don't do well in Iowa, which you're not going to do. Get out and back Trump and help him crush her in New Hampshire. And then you can take credit for it. And your people can take credit for it. And Trump's people can welcome you you back into the fold and everybody can be kumbaya again. Because Haley and DeSantis are so far apart on the issue of Ukraine and other issues too, that there's no chance he backs her. I don't care if the establishment holds a gun to his head, he's not gonna do it. So then get out, get out and, and back Trump while you still have something to deliver. Because I, th- th- what happened here with these strikes 
in Yemen. And I don't and who knows what the weekend's going to bring between now and, and, and Monday. Right. Who knows? But the one thing is that a big part of Trump's message has been anti-war. A big part of his message has been, I'm not going to start World War III. I'm the only president in how many years who hasn't started a new war. You know, despite everybody saying that I was going to be the guy that that turned around and, and, and destroyed the world, I'm the only president in how much time who did not start another war. And I think that's going to matter going into this weekend. I think these, these strikes... Again, Trump's timing being everything, I, I think it, it's advantage Trump. People are very, very nervous now that we are teetering towards World War III, and nobody wants this, except the establishment, of course. The establishment always does. Oh, by the way, there's an update on, remember that story the other day, that, um, that privileged story about uh, Johns Hopkins? This is one of my favorite stories of the day today. So I was asked the other day a question by somebody. They said, do you think the DEI thing is really a thing? Do you think this is really, this is really a, a, a thing? And I said, yeah, I, I think DEI is still a massive problem, but I think people now are pushing back on it. So a diversity chief at John Hopkins Medical sent a monthly diversity digest email to staff with a letter that declared all white people, Christians, and men to be privileged. Basically, if you're not a gay black woman, you're privileged. Dr. Sharita Hill-Golden, chief diversity officer for the hospital system, also included heterosexuals and English speakers in the privileged category in her missive to all staff. Under a section titled, Diversity is the Word of the Month, Golden defined privilege as, quote, a set of unearned benefits given to people who are, to, who are in a specific social group that operates on personal, interpersonal, cultural, and institutional levels. By the way, what about a fat penguin New York congressman who suggests that uh, the only way we get vegetables is if illegal immigrants pick them? Does that guy have privilege? She provided a list of privileged social groups, which included white people, able-bodied people, heterosexuals, cisgender people. Now, easy, Michael Pelka. It's her term. Don't, don't yell at me. Males, Christians, middle or owning class people. So if you own something, you're in the owning class now. What about if you rent? You just don't want to buy anything because the interest rates are too high. Uh, Middle-aged people and English-speaking people. It's a long list. Happy New Year. Welcome to the January 2024 issue of the Monthly Diversity Digest. We're excited to kick off this month with two events in celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. We look forward to the 42nd annual MLK commemoration on January 12th. This year will be in a new location, the Chevy Chase Auditorium on the East Baltimore campus. And the theme, by the way, speaking of privilege, (laughs) people that live in Chevy Chase, Maryland, they got some privilege. I call that swamp privilege, baby. That's swamp privilege because they're making the money from the swamp. You know what I mean? They're the lawyers and the lobbyists and all the people who comprise the richest zip codes in America. Uh, let's see here. Now, the theme will be where do we go from here? Chaos or community? Noted engineer and physician My Jamison will be the keynote speaker. Jamison will share her career path and her experiences as the first woman of color to travel in space. I always thought space was racist. I'm surprised that they that once she got there, she didn't burn up. I just always assumed that. Uh, diversity word of the month, privilege. Privilege is a set of unearned benefits given to people who are in a specific social group. Privilege operates on a personal, interpersonal, cultural, and institutional levels. And it provides advantages and favors to members of dominant groups at the expense of members 
of other groups. In the United States, privilege is granted to people who have membership in one or more of these social identity groups. White people, able-bodied people, heterosexuals, cisgender people, males, Christians, middle-aged people, uh, middle or owning class people, English-speaking people. Privilege is a characteristically invisible to people who have it. People in dominant groups often believe they have earned the privileges they enjoy or that everyone could have access to these privileges if only they were to earn them. In fact, privileges are unearned and are granted to people in the dominant groups whether they want those privileges or not and regardless of their shared intent. Got that? So the, the, the myth, of, and this is, this is Marxism 101 right here, the whole concept of this, which is it doesn't matter how hard you work. Because the system is set up in a way that it rewards privilege. And it doesn't matter if you put your effort into it. If you give it maximum effort like Deadpool, it, you're still, you're not going to get ahead. You can't get ahead because, because privilege exists. And if you either have it or you don't. What about Johns Hopkins Medical School privilege? Like if I get a degree from Johns Hopkins Medical School, do I have privilege? Probably, I would think so. Ivy League privilege, that's some privilege right there. Anyway, the update to the story today, which came out a short time ago, and uh, hat tip to our own Matt DeSanct, the traitorist, for sending this to me. Johns Hopkins Medicine put out the following statement. Dear Johns Hopkins community, every month the Johns Hopkins Medical Office of Diversity, Inclusion, and Health Equity distributes a newsletter from the Chief Diversity Officer, Dr. Sharita Golden. The role of the office and the intended purpose of the newsletter is to support the Johns Hopkins medicine community, to build a culture of inclusivity, and to foster conversation. Regrettably, the January edition of this newsletter, which was distributed to all Johns Hopkins medicine employees yesterday, included a definition of privilege that runs counter to the values of our institution and our mission and commitment to serve everyone equally. Dr. Golden heard the feedback from our community, sincerely apologized, and retracted the definition. We fully support and appreciate her decision to do so. And as leaders of Johns Hopkins Medicine, we too repudiate this language. Why don't you fire her, is my question. Oh, right. Never mind. <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. I don't know. That, that, that email was from... Um, Theodore L. DeWeese, the dean of the medical faculty, and Kevin Somers, the president of the Johns Hopkins Health System. Uh, both uh, two privileged, a able-bodied, owning class, heterosexual men, I assume. I don't know for sure. Uh, and um, the idiot who sent out that, who should be fired, will not be fired. And I just wonder why. I, will, I guess it'll be I guess it'll be a mystery for all of us to ponder this weekend, huh? I guess it'll be a, a, a mystery why the diversity word of the, ma of the of the month privilege by Dr. Sharita Hill, Dr. Sharita Hill Golden. I wonder why she'll keep her job. Anyway, what do I know, right? I mean, what does anybody know these days? All I know is that our vegetables would not be picked if it wasn't for illegal immigrants. And if you are having pineapple on your pizza tonight. That most likely did not come from Hawaii. That most likely came from, well, I don't think China's making pineapple yet, but it probably came from like, I don't know, Tahiti or Fiji. It doesn't matter. It doesn't belong on a pizza. 
somebody yesterday sent me a note. It was it was a, it was a very nice note, but I just, I wanted to clarify something real quick. So somebody sent me a note. I try to always e- read my emails. I'm not the best at responding because what happens inevitably is I start to read them, and then one of my children needs me for something, and I want to I want to be present when I'm home with my kids. I think it's very important to me, and. Um, so Mike sent a note yesterday. He said, Rich, I love your show. And yes, I agree that you should be nationally syndicated. You're better than so-and-so when you fill in for him. Won't name names. I did not like your chatter about your new custom pizza oven. Yeah, buddy, you got money. But a lot of folks are hurting. An average South Jersey pizza is nearly 25 bucks a pie. The economy sucks. Don't remind us how well you're doing when you chat all day long about how bad we the people have it out here. All right, two things. And this is what I wrote back to Mike. I said, Mike... I appreciate your email and listening to the show. The pizza oven was built by me and a friend by hand over the course of several months, and I saved up for it for several years. It's my joy. Like people who enjoy golf or boating or whatever else, all of which probably cost far more. And making pizza is far cheaper and tastier than ordering it, in my opinion. Now, that said, I still try to support local pizzerias. Obviously, these are small businesses. But pizza for me is just a joy. It's like cooking anything else, you know? It's like making pasta. I mean, I still like to go to Italian restaurants. I still like to order pie. We're ordering pizza tonight. I'm not cooking it. But the point is you can build a brick oven in your backyard very inexpensively. It doesn't have to be fancy pants. Bricks are not that expensive. In fact, pizza is the ultimate peasant food. And true brick ovens are the ultimate peasant ovens. So I just want to make that point very, very clear. But again, I'm not going to apologize for being successful in life. I don't have the kind of money he thinks I probably have. I work in radio in the year 2024. Right, So just let's all bear that in mind. And I'm not a nationally syndicated host, and I have three children. But the point is that I don't want to also, like, we shouldn't have to apologize in life if we, if we do well. And this is part of, and I'm not saying Mike is suggesting this, but I just think that, you know, part of what the left wants, and again, this is not you, Mike, it's not a reflection on you or your note. I'm just saying that we shouldn't have to feel in life guilty for being successful. Like I worked really hard to get here. And with the incredible support of the Zioli army, I'm here. But there were I was there were times when I was losing money in radio. I mean losing a lot of money in radio. Here's what I mean by that. I would take any fill in show I could get and I wouldn't get paid. I wouldn't get paid, but I would turn down paid projects to be on the air. And I would and my wife was working. We didn't have kids at the time. I, we could do it and she was a saint. We were living in an apartment in Philly, but I would turn down paid gigs because it would take me out of, out of town. And if there were openings on the radio and I was offered them by the program director, Ed Palladino, back then, I was taking them, whether I got paid or not. Or maybe I got paid $50 a show for doing a four-hour, three-hour, four-hour show. I would take it. I just didn't say no. I didn't say no to anything. And that was years, years and years of that. In my first contract, you'd laugh at how little they paid me. If I told you, you'd laugh. Because it, it was, I, I mean, it was, it, but what was I going to do? It was my first contract. They offered me a contract. I took it because I wanted to get in. And I wasn't going to be in a situation where I turned around and I said, you know what? No, no, no I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I, it's not enough for me. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I, now, obviously, I'm at a different point in my career now. And I think there's more opportunities available to me at this point of my career than others. But I wanted to get my foot in the door. The point is that. Like this idiot from uh, Johns Hopkins who says privilege is something you can't earn. What happened to working hard and sacrificing in life? What happened to working hard to make your dreams come true with the sacrifices that come along the way? I have friends who for a long time were making a ton 
of money more than I was. I mean, like laughable amounts of money compared to what I was making. And they weren't even making that much. But what happened to taking, making sacrifices and working hard so you could achieve a dream, achieve a goal? I'm blessed to be here, and I don't take it for granted. Believe me, if you're listening right now, thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're putting food on my table tonight. Not pineapple pizza, but you're putting food on my table nonetheless. I don't take it for granted. Put my heart and soul into this show every single day, five days a week, most Fridays, most of, of the time. But, but you see the, and again, this is not directed to Mike, but... Like that idiot from Johns Hopkins, that whole idea of privilege is not, you can't earn your privilege. What what about the people that are born with nothing? And they're white people, able-bodied, straight males. And they they're just don't come from money. Their dad was a cop. Or worse, in terms of economics, maybe they were abandoned. Maybe they grew up in pure poverty and they work and they strive and they achieve something. Can they never gain privilege? Because the, the theory is that well, they were born white. Like, who cares? Like, tell that to a to a, a, a out of work coal miner in Appalachia who happens to be white and able bodied, unless he's fighting mesothelioma or something. See what I mean? But but the Marxist notion of there is a uh, oppressive white privilege in America is what they want people to believe, and they want people to believe that so that ultimately they can tear down this country and start fresh and start from scratch. And that's why they this why the attack on William Penn, thank God we were able to stop it, because William Penn represents that notion of this is a guy that influenced the founders. And if we can if we can tear him down, we can ultimately tear the founders down, and we can ultimately tear down what they wrote, which is the Constitution of the United States of America. And if you can get everybody convinced that privilege is it, it, it's not something you can ever earn, no matter how hard you work in life. Because the system is set up in a way that rewards you regardless and hurts you regardless. That lie, if you can convince people of that lie, then you will convince people of the need to shred the Constitution, shred capitalism, and move on with life. And that is the ultimate goal of the left. As I've told you so many times, that is their ultimate goal. That is what they want. The Constitution of the United States of America is their guardrail. And they want to tear it down. All right, 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. California lawmakers seek to ban tackle football for kids under 12. The wealth tax is coming to California. And the Philadelphia police, one of their great moves, was firing their diversity director. That made me so happy. We'll be right back. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. The Philly police fire their diversity hack. Thank God, that was a great move by them. And um, the new way to teach anti-racism on campus is segregation. I kid you not. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. Friday night, fourth and final hour. Thank you for being here today. We appreciate it very, very much. You know, this was kind of quiet. It didn't get a lot of news, but uh, made me very, very happy. One of the first things the new police commissioner did, right after the mayor, Sherelle Parker, was inaugurated, they fired the first ever DEI officer, diversity, in equity, and inclusion, or DIE as I call it, which is diversity, inclusion, and equity. DEI officer Leslie Morant was fired just hours before new commissioner Kevin Bethel was set to take office. Her base salary was a whopping 170568 bucks. She was told her services <laughs> were no longer needed. Move also comes, of course, as Philadelphia Mayor Sherelle Parker signed an executive order declaring a public safety emergency. 
Instead, I want the world to know that I'm fully committed to ending this sense of lawlessness and bringing order back to our city and a sense of lawfulness. Good. Made me very, very happy that they get rid of their diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. I sent that to a buddy of mine in the force, wrote back and said, um, I said, is, you know, is it, I said, this makes me happy. And he wrote back and said, yup. See ya, Leslie. There you go. How do you deal with uh, racism? And, and you do it by apparently making people racist. This is from the Wall Street Journal. UCLA's medical school divides students by race to teach anti-racism. If you've heard that the diversity, inclusion, and equity die agenda is going away, don't believe it. An emerging practice at elite medical schools segregates students by race to teach them about alleged structural racism in healthcare. The University of California, Los Angeles School of Medicine requires that first year students take a class called Structural Racism and Health Equity as part of the standard curriculum. In one exercise for the course, students divide by racial group and retreat to different areas to discuss anti-racist prompts. This is known as racial caucusing, a teaching device that UCLA describes as, quote, an anti-racist pedagogical tool... Something about the pedagogy or something. To provide a reflective space for us to explore how our positionality, particularly our racial identities, is perceived within clinical spaces. Influence our interaction with patients, colleagues, and other staff. Remember I told you how the left loves their long word salads that mean nothing? This is a great example of that, right? They just throw words at things. There's no words out there. And, and every definition of something has to have like 15 unnecessary words. By minimum. Minimum. And it has to make no sense. And you have to at least Google one of the words to figure out what the hell it means. It's also, of course, illegal. According to Do No Harm, a group that describes its mission as eliminating racial discrimination in healthcare, the practice violates the 1964 Civil Rights Act. In a letter to the San Francisco Office for Civil Rights, Do, Not, Do No Harm wrote this week that the school's racial caucusing groups illegally segregate and separate its first-year medical students based on their race, color, and or national origin in violation of Title VI. Medical students in the class are asked to choose which of three racial categories they will identify with. They can select among the white student campus group, devils, non-black people of color, or, or the black student caucus groups. In case students think they have a choice of which group to join, a letter from the school makes clear that they should sort themselves by how they look to others. That's weird because I thought you could identify as anything these days. So what if I identify as a non-black person of color? And what the hell does that even mean anyway? We're all mixed race these days. Most of us are anyway. I'm Italian. My mother's got brown skin. Southern Italian. You know, the Moors invaded Italy, Sicily. It's great um, true romance reference, by the way. You know the scene I'm talking about. The exercise is unnecessary. UCLA's letter continues, is, is, uh, is necessary, the letter says, because f- for white folks, we often feel uncomfortable talking about our own race and our own identities without black, indigenous, and people of color in the room. And for black folks, discussions of race slash racism with non-black folks can be burdensome and exhausting. No, no, no. Reading this is exhausting. It's exhausting how you people keep trying to divide us. Caucusing is a chance to discuss this exhaustion and share strategies for individual and collective healing and self-care. 
Uh, it's like the time I told you I had to take one of those stupid unconscious bias training courses. And the first question I was asked on the stupid unconscious bias training was, do you have unconscious bias? At which point I checked no. And I thought I was done. Oh, was I wrong? Because for the next 45 minutes, I had to learn about how I had tons of unconscious bias. This is why people, I, honestly, they walk through by each other in the hallway and they their heads are down. They won't even look in the eye. Lest you give somebody an accidental dirty look and they consider it to be racist or something like that. The, the, the DEI is all about pitting us against each other. Destroying people, destroying camaraderie, destroying teams. This is the goal of the left, obviously. And it's every, It's everywhere. And they want people, they don't want people to think about what unites us. They want people to think about what divides us. I told you the story years ago, many, 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 many years ago. I owe my conservative thinking truly to Dr. Thomas Sowell, who I was not exposed to in high school. I wish I had been. Uh, I don't know how many high schools have his books. If not, you should scream about a book ban. You should accuse the school of banning his books. But anyway, so I was a freshman at Maryland. And I'm walking around the campus one day with my buddy Greg Renoff, who's a professor and a brilliant, brilliant guy. Also a music historian. He wrote a great book on Van Halen, which I highly recommend. Anyway, so we're walking around the campus in Maryland one night, and there's this whole big banner for multiculturalism. And, you know, me being a freshman, I didn't know any better. I just said to Greg, I said, oh, hey, you're going to go to the multicultural fair? He goes, no. I said, why not? He said, because I don't like celebrating all the things that divide us. What about all the things that unite us as people? Why don't we ever talk about that? I said, well, what's wrong with pointing out our differences? He said, because they use them to pit each other against each other. And he said, you should read Thomas Sowell. You should read Dr. Thomas Sowell. Now, obviously, I was not assigned to any of Thomas Sowell's books. So I did that on my own. And it changed my view of things. And that's why I highly recommend you read Dr. Thomas Sowell's books as often as you possibly can. Well, I also recommend you read Terry Hayes' new book, The Year of the Locust. Difference being, of course, is that Thomas Sowell writes nonfiction and Terry Hayes writes fiction. Although this latest book, The Year of the Locust, is so good, edge of your seat and gripping because it's got the, it's really focused on Iran, that you will love this book about the CIA agent who has to go uh, deep undercover into Iran. And it's just, it is, it's, it's, it's outstanding. We're going to be together, me and Terry Hayes, on February 7th for our book event. He wrote his first book, I Am Pilgrim, 10 years ago. One of the best books I've ever, it may possibly be my favorite nonfiction book of all time. Definitely one of the top three. Jack Carr called it the, um, I think he said it was the greatest thriller of the 21st century, I Am Pilgrim. And this new book is, is great. So we're going to talk to Terry Hayes. He's got a lot of views on different things. The CIA conflict. The timing is perfect, obviously, with what's going on in the Middle East. And you should definitely come. So just go to 1210WPHU.com to get your tickets. Don't miss out on this, please. You'll get a copy of the book. Terry will sign it for you. You'll get to meet him. He's such a nice guy, too. If you missed the interview that I did with him last week, it is podcast for you. What a nice guy. He's got tons of stories. And he's brilliant, too. He worked on Mad Max and um, Road Warrior and... All kinds of great stuff. So anyway, that'll be on February 7th. But the point is that, you know, I, I had to go an extra step to figure out what this plot of multiculturalism was all about. And it is invaded. It's invaded everywhere. 
And it, of course, the virus spreads in corporate America, which is why I have to take all these stupid courses all the time. And it, it, it what, because corporations hire students from these woke corporations, woke uh, colleges, and then they work at their companies and they turn them into woke bastions of wokeism. Woke is not dead. Diversity, equity, inclusion is not dead. None of this stuff is dead. It's, it, it's all there. They're just doing a better job now about trying to hide it. And so this group filed a civil rights complaint, do no harm. And then UCLA abruptly informed students that the caucusing exercise was canceled, which suggests that administrators know the practice is legally suspect. In accepting federal funds, students must agree to abide by Title Six, which prohibits discrimination by race. It contains no exception for discriminating in pursuit of an anti-racist agenda. As a public university, UCLA is also governed by the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. A UCLA medical student who asked not to be named for fear of being ostracized told us she went to school to learn medicine not to be segregated by the color of my skin. That used to be the norm, but in higher education these days, ideology often trumps learning. I have heard about this wokeness at medical schools a lot, and it is a real problem. It really is. All right, when we get back to the latest on the conflict in the Middle East, the preview of Iowa, the Hawkeye Cockeye, as Rush used to call it, on a Friday night. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. All right, so Iowa is just days away, Monday, and it's going to be cold. A cold, 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 cold night in Iowa. Welcome back to the show. What does that mean? How will it play out? Uh, what will the, uh, whatever chaos the weekend brings with regards to the Middle East, what will that mean, too? How is all that going to play? The Iowa Republican Presidential Caucus, as of right now, according to the real clear average of polls for Iowa, uh, here's what we got. Trump's up 34 points. Trump's at 51. Haley's at 17. Another poll has Trump at 45. Oh, that's New Hampshire. I'm sorry. Just Iowa. Let's look at Iowa for a moment. Uh, Trump at 51. Haley 17. DeSantis at 17. Suffolk University poll has Trump at 54. Haley 22. DeSantis 13. 2024 Iowa Republican Presidential Caucus. Iowa Saint Civics poll. Trump 55. Haley 14. DeSantis 14. But the real clear average of polls basically has Donald Trump up by 34 points. It's a lot. Now, I think, you know, clearly Haley and DeSantis are vying for number two. And this is make or break for Ron DeSantis. If he has a strong second place showing in Iowa, the problem for him is that he's not doing well in New Hampshire. He's only at six. And that's with Christie still in the race. I don't know how many Christie people are going to DeSantis. You know what I mean? Nikki Haley's doing much better in New Hampshire. In my opinion, and I said this earlier, if DeSantis does not come in a strong second place in Iowa, he needs to get out, back Trump, and work on stopping Nikki Haley. Just like just like just like Rand Paul put put out today. Rand Paul put out a thing today. It is it, it and I and I love this too. I really do. I love this because you know Rand Paul is one of my favorite senators. He really is. He's one of my favorite senators. I think he's fantastic. And he said last night he was going to come out and talk about the presidential race. He hasn't endorsed yet, but what he put out today was the following. He said, "Never 
Nikki, and he put out a site, nevernikki.net. Nevernikki.net, which as of right now, the page is down. I don't know why. Maybe there's a lot of people going there. But he said, the secret is out. I'm never Nikki. He will campaign against her. In fact, he likes Robert F. Kennedy Jr. more than her. Easy there, guy. He said, I've been watching the GOP primary closely for a while now, and I like various aspects of several candidates. Republicans like President Trump, Governor Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm interested in the ideas of some independents, too, such as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. As I look over the field, I don't think I yet have a first choice, but I do know one thing. Count me as never Nikki. Never Nikki. Good morning, everyone. As I told you yesterday, I'm ready to say something about the presidential race. I've had a long relationship with Donald Trump, and there's a lot to like there. I'm also a big fan of a lot of the fiscal conservatism of Ron DeSantis. I think Vivek Ramaswamy's been an important voice. Also, have listened to and met with the independent Bobby Kennedy. I'm not yet ready to make a decision, but I am ready to make a decision on someone who I cannot support. So I'm announcing this morning that I'm never Nikki. And if you go to nevernikki.net, you can let her know that you're not a supporter either. I don't think any informed or knowledgeable libertarian or conservative should support Nikki Haley. I've seen her attitude towards our our interventions overseas. I've seen her involvement in the military industrial complex, $8 million being paid to become part of the team. But I've also seen her indicate that she thinks you should be registered to use the internet, that people posting ideas anonymously I think she fails to understand that our republic was founded upon people like Ben Franklin, Sam Adams, Madison, John Jay, and others who posted routinely for fear of the government. They posted routinely anonymously. And I think her failure to really understand that or to think that you should register through the government somehow for the Internet is something that should disqualify her in the minds of all libertarian-leaning conservatives. So I'm announcing today I'm Never Nikki. You can go to nevernikki.net and sign up and show her that you're Never Nikki also. Thanks. Boom. There he goes. Uh, I, think it's, I, I, I think what's happening in the Middle East is going to be an, another reminder to people, I really do, of why... Nikki Haley is problematic. So I think this helps Trump. Again, I'm giving you my objective analysis. I think this helps Trump. I think that the cold weather helps Trump because Trump supporters are are passionate and they'll walk over broken glass for the guy. I think that the anti-Trump element is as fired up too. And if they believe that Nikki Haley is how they will stop him, I think that Nikki Haley will do well in Iowa. She'll come in second. And that will be the the, the moment that DeSantis has to decide. Do I want to be part of the group? Do I want to be part of the group that stops Nikki Haley or do I want to be part of the group that stops Donald Trump? And if he wants a future in 2028, I think it's an easy call. I really do. I think it's an easy call for him. This is not this is not something that you need to stay up night thinking about. And and don't don't do anything stupid like like Chris Christie getting caught in a hot mic. All you got to do, all you got to do is just turn around and say, we didn't do well in Iowa. It's time for me to back Donald Trump. And that's it. And then, and then, and then, and then when Trump beats her in New Hampshire, you get to take a little bit of credit for it. That's the way to do it. I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. And, 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 you know, you just do that. By the way, did you know that Trump did something awful? Well, he always does something awful. I don't know if you know this or not, but he used the American flags at a courtroom in New York City to make himself look more presidential. You see the flags behind him, right? Trying to look as if 
he's the president. Uh, that was he was prepared to do that. The judge, of course, has already ruled Trump was liable for fraud and inflated his wealth by billions and is now merrily deciding whether Trump should be forced to pay nearly three hundred seventy. So if you stand in front of a flag, I want you to understand this now. If you stand in front of a flag, you're trying to be president. All right. Got it. So I'm just letting you know that it's important that you know this. Okay, that's the point. That's what you need to understand. Oh, these people are rich, aren't they? I'm telling you. Um, but maybe you want to support Nikki Haley for the reasons that Sonny Hostin explains on The I, View. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to question his, you know, his intentions or anything like that. But I will say this. I don't understand why everyone is backing Nikki Haley, especially women. I remember when Hillary Clinton was running, there was a lot of talk about, I don't vote for someone just because she has a vagina. Well, last I checked, Nikki Haley has one too. And one what of the issues- What do you mean the last you checked? But are you- th- are you th- let me just finish. So, um, and, and the thing is, Nikki Haley. Full of surprises, Nikki, you know. Nikki Haley has said that that she will sign a national ban, a, f- a federal ban for against abortion. That's right. Um, even though, and I think she's saying that to sort of talk about the uh, talk to the magazine. By the way. Um, last time I checked, she has a vagina. You know, I know that that, that Joy Behar tried to make a little joke there, but. What if she decided she doesn't want it anymore? I'm just saying, you know, it seems like you can just give these things away now. You know what I mean? Just decide it's not for you. Uh, or that having one means nothing. So what does even having one mean exactly? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, is he, what does that even mean? Is it make, does it make you a woman? Does having a vagina make you a woman? Is that what the view is suggesting? Because that is the height of transphobia, in my opinion. To argue that somebody has a vagina that then they're automatically a woman? I mean, the transphobia on this show, ABC Disney China uh, corporate needs to get involved here with some diversity, inclusion, and equity training right away. Because these transphobes assume that a vagina makes you a woman. These people are monsters. All right, look, tune in Saturday night to my buddy Jimmy Fela, the premiere of Fox News Saturday night with Jimmy Fela, 10 p.m. on Fox News. Uh, let's give him a strong first showing tomorrow night, and uh, it's going to be great because, obviously, you know, Jimmy's the man. So uh, good for him. I'm proud of him, and I can't wait to watch his first show tomorrow night at 10 p.m. on the Fox News Network Saturday night with Jimmy Fela. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Appreciate it. Keep the conversation going. Get your ticket to see me with Terry Hayes. February 7th by going to 1210WPHC.com. I also put a post. It's right at the top of my X page, Twitter page, at Rich Zioli. Thank you so much. Keep the pineapple off the pizza, and I'll see you Monday. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.